This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Happy Leap Day. Adding one more day to your life. And I needed it. (laughs) Luckily, it's a Monday. All the things I'm going to accomplish today that I normally would not be able to accomplish, an extra 24. It's going to be good. Think about it, though. If you're born born on a leap year, what do you get? You get a birthday every four years? Is that how it works? If you want to go strictly by protocol, sure. I mean, it's a great aging program. Maybe you just have it March 1st. Mart, yeah, you'd have to pick a date, wouldn't you? Uh, do you want a February birthday or a March birthday? Hmm. Happy. I'd do it March for day. tax reasons. Would you? Uh, hey, why? I don't know. Just, I don't think it would just, help you. Just making stuff up. Hey, um, uh, big day, <laughs> big day today. A, I'm going to the dentist. Ooh. I always every leap year. How long's it been? Four uh, years. Four years. No, do you normally go? Yeah, every six months. Ex- I find- except they called me. It's bad because yeah. when, when they're calling you, like, dude, where have you been? Man, get in here. Bring your gingivitis. Um, so, but thinking of this, did you hear the joke that uh, Rubio made about Donald Trump's spray tan? That's clogging his pores mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. This is getting weird. Like they're turning into comedians. No. <laughs> comedians on some level are funny. Yeah, well, that would make it a If not, you're, you're just saying things hoping for a result that you're not getting. So you're failing. They're, they're, and really, yeah, they're swinging. He's not funny. He's trying to – they're digs. He's really just trying to, 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 Anything. to exploit some aspect of Donald Trump and use it in a negative way. And well, he's, playing, he's playing the game Donald's way. He is. Because Donald you know, talks of, about how sweaty he is and – I mean, he was even making jokes, uh, Rubio, about Donald's hands. Yes. This is like, what? What are we, where are we going? Yeah. But, you know, Super Tuesday's tomorrow. So. Desperation. You know, you got Swing one more day. Fences, yeah. But many believe Donald will just clean house on Super Tuesday. He has a fairly as, large lead in most states. As will the Hillary. This is weird. What's happening to this world? People are making a choice? Apparently. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll be talking with Dr. Chantel Sloan about the Zika virus. There's one you can't make too many choices on. A little mosquito, you know, and what's it called? Mosquito spray. What's that called? Bug spray. Yeah. You got to get that on your body. Well, maybe. Or all of a sudden, you I, got the Zika virus. I, I, I'm wondering, is there parts of the United States that won't be... As much of a concern because of uh, climate, weather, temperature? Probably. This is mainly a a South American, Central American. There's a specific type of mosquito Mm. that carries this. She may not be able to get into that kind of stuff. That's more, you know, bug killer type stuff. Maybe (laughs) we call some sort of exterminator and get a description that way. Call Orkin. And then there's this this concept of the the disease has been known of since the 40s. I know. And they've never had a flare-up like this. So is it simply just the Zika virus, or is there some other condition that's adding to it, yeah, is there causing about this strain an increase in cases? Well, and now nine known cases in the United States, nine pregnant women, which is interesting. So there's more carriers, but there's nine pregnant women that have the Zika virus, and from many different states. 
And the real concern is once a carrier enters the country, a, a, a person with the disease, and a mosquito bites them, and then they move, that mosquito jumps off to somebody else. Yeah. And the mosquitoes start, you know, spreading everywhere. This is why you don't like mosquitoes anyway. No, I hate mosquitoes. But the CDC's put out a travel alert, especially to South America, certain countries, American Samoa, uh, Brazil, El Salvador, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Samoa. You really ought not be going there if you're pregnant. They, you got to watch out. Be careful. Maybe not be worth – it's probably not worth the risk. Uh, micro inse- microcephaly, they call it, where you're, the heads of these babies are – they become too small. So it's scary. It's a scary deal. We'll be talking with a professor here at Brigham Young University, an expert um, in uh, uh, health Thanks. science and infectious diseases. She'll be here to walk us through what you need to really worry about. We'll give you the inside scoop on that, helping you live longer, hopefully. But uh, also, we got to get to the the political world. Well, I guess we could talk about the Oscars for a minute. Just a minute. It was the Oscars, but we've got some great clips um, because you don't want to miss the fun. For those of you that aren't into the movies, I noticed that I didn't. Of all the winning movies, I had only seen. I don't think I'd seen any of them. What is my deal? Best Picture Spotlight. Have you seen that? No. Never seen it. Actress Brie Larson won in, as the actor in the leading role, Brie Larson for The Room. Have you seen that? No. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio finally won one. There you go. For The Revenant. Have you seen that? No. I was I was kind of disappointed the bear didn't get like supporting actor. Yeah. Because of all you heard about that movie was there was a bear. The bear. The bear. Uh, best uh, actor in a leading role, lead, or best screenplay, original screenplay, Spotlight. We haven't seen it. No. Adapted screenplay, The Big Short. You seen it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actress in a supporting role, uh, The Danish Girl. You no, seen it? No, 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 no. Well, let me just find one that I'm pretty sure you've seen. The Martian? Uh, Did The Martian win it for anything? Because I saw that movie. A lot of Mad Max. Oh, no, I've seen best Mad Max. animated feature film, Inside Out. Yes. There I saw go. that movie, and I've heard the song at nauseum. Yeah. Not song, but... Yeah. But you, you like the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, of, okay. the, of the remaining... Star Wars? I didn't see any. It got beat out for... Uh, I forget the movie, but it made like 50... It was a $15 million sci-fi budget, and it beat out Star Wars. Have you seen Ex Machina? Effects. No, but that's the movie. That's the movie visual that beat effects. out Star Wars yeah. for visual effects. $15 million budget yeah. versus Star Wars. What do you do? What do you choose? I was How like, do you choose? What'd you do, Star Wars? How much money did you spend? Quite a bit. So Chris Rock was the host, and he had to address the the whole issue about um, blacks and versus you know the whites and blacks in Hollywood. Who gets nominated? Who for gets nominated? It seems like awards. I mean, there were some great opportunities for some African American actors to win, and uh, or at least nominated, or at least be nominated. Even, even Sylvester they, Stallone got nominated. But the director of uh, Creed didn't get nominated. Yeah, or 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 the movie um, Straight Outta Compton, yeah, which had a predominantly black cast. The only nomination nation they got were the two white writers. <laughs> so people were like, "What's going on?" So let's hear what Chris Rubio had to say in his monologue, or Chris Rabio. Did I say Rubio? Chris Ro- Rock had to say in his monologue. You need to just have black categories. That's what you need. You need to have black categories. You already do it with men and women. Think about it. There's no real reason for there to be a man and a woman category in acting. 
It's track. It's not. Come on. There's no reason. It's not track and field. You, you don't have to separate them. You know, Robert De Niro's never said, "I better slow this acting down so Meryl Streep could catch up." It's great. It's a good point. Yeah, they could just have a category for every nationality, every type of every distinction, every if they're going to start it this way. That won't work. No, but he I mean he has a point. Why do you split men and women? There's well, it's just acting. It's not like it's based on strength or, you know. But I guess what he's saying too is why do you split split white men and white women? And that's the bigger question is can we just do this by merit and that's not yeah. working. So That's so true. So I'm not sure what you do because the second you make a special category for somebody then it's quote a special category and we're enabling people for no reason. That's right. Some, in some people's opinions. So. Here's some more. Chris Rock and Obama. But here's the real question. The real question everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know in the world, is this Hollywood racist? Is it, is it Burning Cross racist? No. Is it Fetch Me Some Lemonade racist? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a different type of racist. Now, I remember one night I was at a fundraiser for President Obama. A lot of you were there. At some point, you get to take a picture with the president, you know, and as they're setting up the picture, you get like a little moment with the president. I'm like, Mr. President, you see all these writers and producers and actors? They don't hire black people. And they're the nicest white people on earth. They're liberals. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, got it. Next, uh, Chris Rock uh, about Rocky. Yeah, we got a black Rocky this year. Yeah, some people call it Creed. I call it black Rocky. <laughs> and that's a big, that's, that's an unbelievable statement. I, I mean, because Rocky takes place in a world where white athletes are as good as black athletes. <laughs> so Rocky's a science fiction movie. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting because the, the, the creed is – and it's interesting. All of this about racism right now. And it's the same weekend Donald Trump won't put down David Duke. Yeah. He won't dismiss the fact that he has nothing to do with David Duke, who is a known KKK leader Was. historically. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. And, and a politician. Yes. Just yeah, and and all this comes out, and I think I think Chris Hawk or Chris Rock handled it well, as he made fun of things, and there were times where people you could see were very uncomfortable, and he was doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. He was saying things that would kind of shock people into this this mindset of this is an issue, this is something that needs to be dealt with. The other side of it is the the Academy brings in Chris Rock, knowing he's going to do this because yeah. the Academy. Has come out and basically said they can't control the people who vote. Right, they're going to vote the way they vote. We've tried to tried to figure out a way to try to adjust this. It's not working, so we'll bring Chris, Chris Rock in to make fun of them. It was because they're kind of tearing themselves out, down from inside. If right, that makes sense. Well, and what's interesting too is that I mean, a lot of people as they talk about the event, they're all saying it was a very serious Oscars. It was serious. Huh. You know, I heard that on three different sources. They saw it as a serious kind of – I mean, it was Chris Rock being lighthearted, but it was heavier. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know if that's going to drive the Academy to – I don't know. Life. But you know what? It's not just in Hollywood. Uh, If you ask Rubio, 
it's in politics as well. One of the reasons why he said he wasn't going to run is because David Duke was part of the Reform Party. So he knows exactly who David Duke is. He was asked this morning two times, will you repudiate and condemn the Ku Klux Klan? And he refused to do that as well. We cannot be a party that nominates someone who refuses to condemn white supremacists. Not only is that wrong, it makes him unelectable. Hmm. Is this where you want to go? The night before Super Tuesday. He came out this morning, Donald Trump did, and said uh, that he does know who David Duke is. He originally said he didn't. Yeah. But he knows who he is. He does. He, he, uh, he said he never claimed that he had met him. He understands that he's supporting him. And yeah. so still, Donald, he, he came out and disavowed. He goes, fine, I disavow. Right. Like it was some big deal. But in every state, in Iowa, he had uh, white supremacist groups who were supporting him. In New Hampshire, there were people oh. supporting him. South Carolina, another group coming out. A group came in, so don't vote Cuban. No. That was, how, that was the robocall that went out was don't vote Cuban, meaning Rubio or, or Cruz. Or, they, or Canadian. Or Canadian either, you know. <laughs> and so they're not, like, connected to his campaign. No, no. But they all support him. So you got to come they, out and disavow him. And That's what David, everyone's thinking. David Duke, a former grand wizard of the KKK, comes out in total support of Donald Trump. And they ask, well, you, would you disavow? And he acts like he doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm. I'm like, really? You have people that inform you on things i know well, you probably aren't really yeah. on top of every single minutia yeah but you're there, smart but you're a smart people. guy and so you play dumb you play like you don't know what's going on that's well, not really that, the best move that looked pretty bad and that's what's hitting all the news right now is yeah but um i don't know it's a real deal and how do you you can't be as bombastic as donald trump without it eventually Coming back to yeah, get it's going to get him one way or another right anyway let's get to the headlines find out what's going on around the rest of the world terry what's up uh, thanks, Matt. Georgia and Tennessee are Donald Trump territory heading into Super Tuesday. Ted Cruz holds a comfortable lead in his home state of Texas, and Marco Rubio only managed a tie for a second in one of those three states, according to a new set of NBC Wall Street Journal polls uh, that were out Sunday morning. Among Democrats, Hillary Clinton led Bernie Sanders by approximately two to one margin in all three states where primary voters head to the polls on Tuesday. Trump earned 30% support in George from Georgia Republican voters, followed by 23 from Cruz and Rubio. In Tennessee, Trump holds an 18-point lead over Cruz, 40 to 22%. Rubio has 19% in that state. But Cruz leads Trump in his home state of Texas by 13 points, mm. 39 to, uh, to 26. That one's very important. There's 222 delegates. Yeah. And it's a winner-take-all. That's a money. I do believe, so it's a big thing. Even among- Kasich says he predicts Trump will sweep Super Tuesday. Wow. Among Democrats, uh, Clinton leads Sanders by 34 points in Georgia, 26 points in Tennessee, and 21 in Texas. Michigan Governor Rick Snyder could have declared a state of emergency over the tainted drinking water in Flint months earlier than he did. The Detroit Free Press reported on Sunday, citing an administration email. Snyder acknowledged uh, lead poisoning in Flint's water around October 1st, but did not declare an emergency until January 5th. Mm. So you got like three, four months there See, almost. many would cry racism there. Snyder officially uh, has repeatedly said that the state couldn't take action until local officials declared an emergency, but in November 13th email to a Snyder official, the Deputy State Director of Emergency Management says, as you know, the governor can declare at any time for any reason. Huh. So the stories don't mesh. Right. And now the this is where the investigation goes, and we start seeing if there's criminal 
negligent somewhere through here, as we've we've talked about with the attorney general there. Longtime NFL quarterback Peyton Manning will reportedly announce his retirement from professional football this week. The Denver Post reports Manning led Denver to the uh, Super Bowl championship, if you've forgotten that in the last few oh, weeks, yeah, man. that's right. The team denied rumors that Manning had made a decision about his future, but Fox Sports reports that whether or not Manning hangs up his cleats, he won't be back with the Broncos next year because Denver has no plans to keep him on their books for next season because he costs a lot of money and he's old. <laughs> And he's old and he didn't play half the year. He has had shoulder, knee, neck, uh, yeah. his foot's messed up. He's he's, mm. he's he's old, so they have young guys. We'll just move uh, on. Don't call him old. He's old. He's old and he's hawking pizza. <laughs> Who wouldn't? But he's rich. He's rich and he has two Super Bowls. Hmm. Interesting stuff. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we are going to be talking to an expert. Uh, Dr. Chantel Sloan will be joining us, um, and she's going to walk us through the the real, what the need to know, everything you need to know about the Zika virus and uh, giving us the insights we need. What do we do to, to make sure we're safe and uh, our children are protected? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, chances are, if you've turned on the news uh, recently, you've seen extensive coverage or heard about extensive uh, talk around the Zika virus. While this latest outbreak of infectious disease has many worried and scrambling to uh, to understand all of the potential dangers, the virus is not new to the scientific world. In fact, the Zika virus was first discovered in the 1940s. For years, Zika outbreaks were and appeared to do little harm. However, within the last year... That has all changed, first with a massive outbreak in Brazil, affecting more than a million people. And now with its continued growth, the whole world is searching for answers about the threat. Uh, Joining us today is Dr. Chantel Sloan, a professor of health science here at Brigham Young University. She's joining us uh, in studio to help us understand what we need to worry about, how the virus, the Zika virus spreads, and the dangers it can bring. Dr. Sloan, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. This is, I mean, Zika, it's been around since 1940, the Zika virus. Is it the same virus, or I guess does it keep mutating? What's going on? Well, most viruses keep changing over time, and there might be multiple strains. But um, this is essentially the same virus that emerged in the 40s and 50s. It just, in the last few years, has spread more widely around the world, primarily in the tropics. Ugh. I mean, now there's not, I guess there's nine known cases of pregnant women with the Zika virus in the United States. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about why a pregnant woman is um, is so at risk. So a lot uh, – we still need a lot more information around this actually. Um, there have been a lot of reported cases of birth defects, primarily microcephaly, in pregnant women in Brazil and French Polynesia primarily um, – So we do have some connection we know to these birth defects, but there's actually some new reports just out in the last couple of days that a lot of those initial reported cases of birth defects might actually be due to other viruses. Oh, boy. And so we don't have a good sense of the numbers, but we do know there are some Zika, uh, at least associated cases, where there's a pretty tight correlation to being infected. But those numbers, 
which were being reported between 10 and 15 percent, um, might actually be a bit lower, which is good news. Goodness. But we still need a lot more information. And there are huge teams now down in Brazil, Polynesia, Asia, trying to figure out what those numbers actually are. I guess that's the key, right? I mean, mm-hmm. now that we, it's getting the attention, we study it more. But there is no known um, – there's no cure Correct. for the virus, right? There's no mm-hmm. way to stop it. And it's not – I guess it, there's benefits because it's not being spread uh, through air, right? So it's just through mosquito mm-hmm. bites. Yeah, and there are a couple cases now of spread through sexual activity. That's right. Um, still very rare, but that's actually really quite new to the infectious disease world that a mosquito-borne virus uh, could be spread through sexual activity, um, but that it's in very rare cases. So and talk to us about this because this is – I mean, I don't sense, I don't get a lot of mosquito bites in the United States, but now that there are cases here, does that mean that the cases are just coming from people that were in other countries? It's not necessarily that the mosquitoes are carrying it here. Yeah, so we have about 150 confirmed cases last I saw in the U.S., and I believe pretty much everyone has been travel associated. People have recently been to uh, parts of South America and picked it up there. Um, The concern is that we could have some cases, especially in the southeastern U.S. Um, We know there are a lot of cases in Puerto Rico, for example, Mm -hmm. the Caribbean. And so with similar diseases like dengue virus or chikungunya virus that have followed similar patterns of spread around the tropics, we do see those occasional cases in the southeast. But thankfully, so far, that hasn't been the case. And if you're infected, how would you know? Um, actually, most people won't ever know. About 80% of the cases won't go reported. Um, you have some basically mild flu-like symptoms. And so most people with those kind of symptoms will not ever visit a clinician or be tested for Zika. Um, but if you do have those flu-like symptoms and you've recently traveled to that part of the world, it uh, might be a good idea to get a checkup. But yeah. most people won't ever know, actually. It you won't just, affect them. And, and I guess if you're a male or a female um, – it's it's basically a flu. That's basically what it feels like. But if you're a pregnant female, then that virus could also then impact your, your baby. Yes, that's where the major concern is. So, I mean, you have the Olympics down in Brazil coming up. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, even to the point that maybe athletes won't go down to participate in the Olympics. There's been a lot of concern around that. I don't particularly know any reports of people saying, you know, that they should boycott the Olympics or anything like that. Um, But there is concern that what will happen when you have uh, that many people from around the world traveling to one area is that they will then bring it Mm -hmm. back to their home countries. Um, Around the tropics, the spread has been so rapid, though, that I don't know how big of a difference the Olympics will end up specifically making. But, of course, it's it's a concern. And then do you – so we have 150 known cases in the United States, let's say. But then – so if a mosquito bites somebody that has one, has the, the virus, then, then it could spread the virus. Yes, then it could spread. Other than mosquitoes, is there any other way? And I guess we have some examples of set being tra- uh, transmitted through sexual activity. Any other way that it spreads? Not that we're aware of. I mean I guess if there was – uh, it's spreading through sexual activity through um, blood exchange, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. So maybe IV needles so or what it, like other methods of. It would have to be a lot of blood. Um, it's that's not something we're we're really seeing on our radar yeah. right now. It's really just the mosquito-borne 
um, transmission. That's the major concern. And then do you, I guess, I mean, this is what I, is so strange. It's a virus we haven't heard anything about. for. for we've known about it for 40 years. What in the end would you say is causing the, the outbreak? So it's a little hard to say. Um, this happens sometimes with these viruses. For instance, chikungunya is a virus that's spread around the tropics um, and actually has uh, some more severe initial symptoms with arthritis and pain in the joints. And um, it was around in the 60s, went away, and then came back and just spread around the world in the matter of a few years. And it's just the right conditions, the right people end up being connected. It you know, emerges mm. in, say, a place where there's a lot of transportation. And these things can just spread very quickly if conditions happen to yeah. be right. But we don't know <laughs> exactly and a what big, that means. Yeah, and a big mosquito season with uh-huh. a bunch of mosquitoes. Um, a lot of rain. A, a lot of rain. I guess that's part of it is – this this is getting just a lot of attention, a lot of press. It seems like to me there's probably other viruses, other infections that we that are probably more we're more likely to catch than the Zika virus in the United States. Except this is the one getting all of the attention. True, there are a lot more infectious diseases that are spreading through the U.S. or through the Americas that um, cause a lot more symptoms. But because Zika just Uh, came out so quickly. And Mm -hmm. of course, there's this strong concern for pregnant women. I think that's why we're seeing so much of it in the press. But for most people in the United States, if you're not traveling to Central South America, it's not really an area of concern. If you're doing a cruise in in the in the Caribbean, you probably ought to pay attention. Yeah, which which is true for dengue. And again, chicken and these other viruses as well. It's the same kind of prevention, long sleeves, mosquito repellent, Avoiding areas with lots of standing water, you know, we just do our best to prevent getting bitten. Yeah. Does what are some of the viruses that we ought to be paying more attention to just day to day? Well, I mean, seasonal influenza kills twenty three thousand people in the U.S. every year, um, primarily people over the age of sixty five, um, and so of course, just uh, getting your vaccines, eating healthy, trying to stay home if you've got symptoms to not spread things. I mean, that's what we're that's concerned good. with all the time. We're at peak flu season right now, just these last couple of weeks. So, Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Right now, of yeah, all things. At, yeah, we're right at peak. Good. <laughs> ben, are you listening? So. Ben, yeah, he always likes to bring a virus in, <laughs> cough it around. Um, we like to bring Ben in every once in a while. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break and come back, continue our discussion with Dr. Chantel Sloan about the Zika virus, uh, what you need to worry about, really. Also, we'll come back and talk about um, prevention and I mean, really, um, if you're, I guess part of the rule, we'll get into it, is sexually active female that could potentially get pregnant. you got to pay attention. This mm-hmm. can impact your baby, and um, it's a big deal. Uh, a lot of children suffering right now in Central and South America because of it. Uh, we'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Helping you live longer, folks. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, in the news, you hear it all the time, all the talk about the Zika virus uh, down in Central and South America, now up here in the United States, nine, I guess, known cases of, of pregnant women 
um, carrying the virus, plus 150 or so other confirmed um, infections in the United States. Joining us is Dr. Chantel Sloan. She is a professor of health science uh, here at Brigham Young University and teaches a class. Listen to the title of this class. It's uh, it's it's what what's it called again, Chantel? Infectious disease, infectious disease prevention and control. Ew. <laughs> infectious disease prevention and control. So you put a bunch of students in a class and you teach them about infectious diseases, mm-hmm. prevention of the disease, control of the disease. And one of them now, I'm sure, is the Zika virus. Yes, we're talking about it quite a bit. Do, does it – what are the – I mean, compared to all the other diseases, again, this is one that we're fairly it's, – it's, we're fairly safe right now, right? If I mean, you're in the northern U.S., yeah. If you're in the northern U.S. Mm-hmm. and um, if you stay inside, wear long sleeves, bug repellent, and never leave the house, <laughs> you're probably never going to get it. Yeah, you're probably never going to get it. Because it's, it's uh, mosquito-borne. You're infected by mosquito. We know of maybe sexually sexual activity mm-hmm. in rare cases. In rare cases, um, but in the end, too, I guess this is this is really traumatic because it, it it does affect it can affect male and female. But a pregnant female, it it can seriously injure a child and the baby. Mm-hmm. What do we see happening? So microcephaly means smaller heads. These babies are born with smaller heads. Mm-hmm. What does what's the long term impact? What's what is their life like? Um, severely impaired uh, mental retardation. Uh, the babies often pass away um, mm. in the first few years of life. Um, but if they live longer, then there's there's severe kind of mental and physical and plus increased likelihood of miscarriages. Um, and it's it's just traumatic. I mean, this is this is probably one reason it's getting so much attention because, like you're saying, there's other viruses, mm-hmm. the de- dengue virus. Mm-hmm. There's other virus. And what was the chicken one? Uh, chickengunya. Oh, it. See, so I it's the most thought, fun disease to say. Yeah, I thought that was a I thought that was a chicken dish, <laughs> but apparently it's a, it's, a, it's not. It's a gunya. Yeah. Um, talk to us about uh, again the. This isn't probably going to turn into a massive epidemic that's going to then take away generations of children in northern America. Uh, not here. No, probably not. But it is uh, – it could well affect um, many, many children in the tropics. Again, we're trying to get a good handle on what those numbers actually are are likely to be. Um, but it could impact as many as you know 4 million people mm. in those areas, um, whether they're just initially sickened or – um, and then, of course, a much smaller percentage that could end up with some of these birth defects in children. And talk about – because these viruses can change. They can mutate, I guess. They can constantly be evolving. Does, is that what's added the complexity to this for a disease that's been around for since 1940? Is, is, is that just making it more complex? And why don't we have, why don't we have some method of controlling it? So what we would hope to be able to develop is a vaccine, and I know there are a lot of people working on that vaccine right now. Of course, we're also working on vaccines for these other uh, tropical mosquito-borne diseases, but it's a little bit tricky. Um, They're very good at just evading the immune system, and there are multiple strains, like you said, possibility for mutation and change over time. And so we do have some difficulty developing vaccines for this particular class of diseases. Well, I guess because one vaccine does not meet fix all versions or varieties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, um, I know there have been several dengue vaccines uh, in trials recently, and there have been a lot of advances in vaccine delivery. So 
hopefully we'll have some breakthroughs with Zika uh, sooner rather than later. But of course, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Does um, I mean we know like Bill Gates uh, has has done a lot to 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 get rid of malaria and mosquito, which I guess is another mosquito born, mm-hmm. and just even a mosquito net could help in a lot of these impoverished countries. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are government government organizations doing? Um, the and who World Health Organization? What what are they doing? to work on the Zika virus? So they're doing a lot of health promotion. They're doing a lot of, say, public service announcements in these areas, um, trying to uh, tell women to be careful, especially if they're pregnant or trying to get pregnant. Um, Primarily what they're doing right now is there are these huge teams of people who are trying to get a good handle on the actual effect of these cases. Um, A lot of the numbers that we have, a lot of this information around birth defects, for example, are based off of uh, medical record reports. But what they're doing now is going in and really tracing and doing examinations on these women, Hmm. on their children, and saying, okay, can we really classify this um, based off of some pretty strict standards as microcephaly? Can we classify it as being Zika-associated? When were they infected? Do they have antibodies against Zika virus and trying to really get a handle on that connection and the true impact. I guess that's why we don't really know. You can't say uh, with certainty that microcephaly is caused by the Zika virus. It could be I mean, it seems like mm-hmm. it, but you—they need the—they need more data. We, we need more data. There's a pretty tight correlation in yeah. many cases um, between infection and the microcephaly, um, but we do need more data. And I guess does it depend too? Because some people, I guess, could have have the infection and not have microcephaly. Oh yes, that's so true. The, the vast majority of cases out. will not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now you got to figure out what's the difference and how do you mm-hmm. treat it once it's once it's handled mm-hmm. once you've been infected. Yeah, and the actual pathology, you know, how does infection cause microcephaly. We need to know that yeah. too. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners, Chantel, that are out there wondering, why would you ever get into infectious disease? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any good answers for that? Uh, because I'm against them. Oh, yeah, you wanted to fight it. <laughs> I, I do. You're I a want fighter. people to be healthy. I don't want uh, people to have to, to deal with this. I mean, nobody likes even just getting a minor infection, no. let alone these you know millions of people, especially children under the age of five, who die every year from preventable diseases. We need to do more. And yeah, so. protect the kids. And, and I guess the parents just learn. You don't have to we, – we don't need to be terrified, right? It, but it's real. It's a real deal. Real. And if you are going to travel out of the country and you're a female and sexually active, be careful. Pay attention. Yeah. I have students, for example, who are going on missions to that part of the world yeah. or internships or travel abroad. And they're asking, you know, what do I do? And I say, you know, make sure that you're – Taking care of yourself with exposure to any infectious diseases. Talk to your clinician. Are there any shots you need when you go to that part of the world? And then when you're there, just be careful. Long sleeves, mosquito repellent, and you should be fine. If you are infected, um, how long does the infection stay in your body and in your system? How long are you still at risk? So um, for the for the long term, we don't actually exactly know, but you should be most people are sick about two to seven days, huh. similar to you know catching the flu. Well, and that's interesting because if somebody lived uh, down in wherever Nicaragua or Honduras or somewhere, and they spent two year or a year and a half there, maybe being a missionary or just doing some work down there, some service down there, they could have been infected yeah. pre Zika crazy news, mm-hmm. you know. And all and not even known it, and yet mm-hmm. still 
They're probably not still harboring okay. the virus. So if somebody's term, lived down but, there, they don't yeah. probably need to go be checked. Yeah. I mean, if it was yeah. a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, they they um they should be fine. Most people will be fine. But um, is there any connection long term in women? I, we don't I, know. I hesitate to even yeah. bring it up. You don't even know because it's probably not the case. But but talk to your doctor too, and just let them know where you've been, and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they can make sure. Yeah. You're safe. Anything else we need to worry about or get out there or make sure people know about the Zika virus or I guess any virus? Yeah. I mean, just uh, again, regular classic precautions with any infectious disease. We're still in winter virus season. Um, A lot of things uh, circulating. Um, And if you're going to travel to anywhere outside the U.S., make sure you pay attention to travel advisories. Make sure you're taking basic precautions and just just keep yourself safe and healthy and enjoy your trip. That's great. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, we appreciate you for coming in. Hey, thank you so much. And your sister for bringing you. Yes. A little chauffeur action today. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Dr. Chantel Sloan, uh, again from the Brigham Young University, uh, health, a professor of health sciences here, uh, giving us the insight, folks, what you really need to know about the Zika virus. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, continue the discussion about uh, things that will help you live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, I'm telling you, uh, now you got the scoop on Zika that you're safe in the U.S. Just be grateful that because um, this is killing and pounding uh, down there on a lot of people in South America and Central America. But as she said, more study needs to be done yeah. to fully understand why this is in you know why, why it's kind of blowing up, why there's a lot there, there's an upright uptick in cases. And and you, if you watch the news, it's like your hair's on fire. Let's run around. We have a disease, right, you know. Right. And yet, down. you're you're safe. Just long sleeve shirts, mosquito netting, and repellent. A bubble, if possible. A bubble. If, you, if we could put you in a bubble, you've been sleeping in that oxygen tent, and you look great. It's totally changing your pores. It's opening up your pores. Yeah, it's an oxygen elevation tank. It's it's amazing. <laughs> You and Donald. Apparently, Donald's Trump, uh, Donald Trump's pores are getting filled up with spray tan. Well, he is orange. He is an orange American. We've got to talk about Super Tuesday is tomorrow. Uh, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, Wyoming, along with Alabama, Alaska, American Samoa, Arkansas, Colorado. Boom. You're all going to be voting. Why are they all on the same day? Because it's Super. Super Tuesday. This is where you're going to get – I don't know the total amount of votes or, or delegates that are going to come. What, that what? are in play. Well, the problem is some states are winner-take-all. Others are proportional. Yeah. And so it's hard to you know, nail down a number. But but it's a lot. And so – Oh, a total of 1,034 in the Democratic oh, race, 661 total delegates in the Republican. 6,000? 600. Oh, 600. 61, which is a big deal because when you think about Texas alone, Texas alone is 155 delegates. Yeah. That is – that's why – that is why it's such a big deal for Ted Cruz. He wants Texas. Well, that's his state. He you can't deal, win yeah. your own state. Like Marco right. Rubio is way behind in Florida. Right. 
But if he can get 155, he's a big deal. But what people in Texas may not know is something that the Floridians know. It's a key fact here. 38% of Florida voters, 38% of Florida voters believe that Ted Cruz could be the Zodiac killer. You're a monster. That's interesting. Where do you get that idea? I don't know. Does it explain? Yes. Oh. I hope so. Uh, United Press International is leading provider of news, and they've put together a poll, basically, and here's what they come up with. Just ask them. They're lead. They, they're, they're, the, they're the leading provider. But first of all, I don't even know how it gets in there. How does it get in the idea? How do you get the idea that he's the Zodiac killer? It's the internet. I think it's just possibly just the suggestion. I think he kind of looks like Grandpa Munster. Yeah, but Munster's If you type that a... in, there's people that have put those pictures together for you, and you can see that, yeah, there's a resemblance. Yeah. Fact, but the Zodiac Killer? I'm not sure. That, that's that's too bad. Like Ted Cruz doesn't want to go down being known as the Zodiac Killer. That really, that is all they say about it. Thirty eight percent of Florida voters. But do you think the Zodiac Killer retired to Texas? Ooh, and became became a senator. <laughs> I think that's a really bad sign of what's going on. How people view our politicians. That they're associating him with mm-hmm. nefarious individuals? Yeah. There it is. I mean, when you think about it, it's not like that just is a normal you know, thought you'd have. You may have heard rumblings on social media platform about Ted Cruz and the Zodiac Killer. This is on The Verge magazine. Uh, but basically, it, it came up because somebody mentioned that Kind of probably is a joke, I guess, that Ted Cruz may be one of the killers. That's funny. Maybe the Zodiac killer. But the reality is this could this is like almost one of those Donald Trump things where he's like, I didn't say you're the Zodiac killer. It wasn't me. But people have said that you may be the Zodiac killer. So now that's going to come up because it's because there was a drawing of the Zodiac killer that had the same hairline as, as Ted Cruz, but oh, just had okay. glasses on. I see it now. I don't think that's even close. The nose no. is all wrong. He actually looks a little more like me. Yeah. Are you the – did you? Holy cow. Wow. So you retired a – Well, we're not saying I'm the Zodiac oh, killer. Oh, okay. Well, I, th- I thought you were like admitting something. No, here, I'm in not air. saying that. Breaking I, news. I think we should put your picture on Twitter to see what everybody – all of our listeners think you look like. Yeah, no. Let's not do that. Just open yourself up for public shaming. Yeah. You think <laughs> he looks like the grandpa on the monsters, yeah. but in the end – you're not going to win because the minute you, the minute everyone's talking about your looks, I, I think we're setting the whole system up for a fall. Everyone says Donald's going to win. And Doesn't yet, it look like the system's getting ready for a fall? Yeah. And so I mean, he, honestly, right now. It's I, looking crazy. I was listening to a podcast over the weekend. If Donald Trump wins, it is within the realm of possibility. If you just think about the situation. That he can nominate anyone for his cabinet, right? From right. an actual politician anybody. Anybody. to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. They would all make sense to with Kanye, Donald Trump. Kanye. Kanye West could be part of this. Now, I don't know if he'd actually do that. But oh, he would. Just the level of, it's just, there's a ridiculous level to this. And yeah. so when you say that, it's like, come on, it's ridiculous. But eh, really? Except forever, everybody's been saying and underestimating the Don. Like, he's not going to win. And that's what I just did. And and two, and then yet he is about to wrap up the nomination. If he, he is. If he sprints through and dominates, as even Governor Kasich says he will do on Super Tuesday, he's going to win them all, Kasich is saying. If he wins them all, this thing's pretty much over. It's over. Yeah. 
I mean, it could be over tomorrow. The momentum is is going now. Then all of a sudden, Donald goes head to head with Hillary. Do you think Hillary's excited? You'd think she'd no. be licking her chops because he has a Ku Klux Klan problem now. He fought with the Pope problem, anti-Muslim uh, problem, anti-Hispanic problem. So over the weekend, South Carolina, she cleaned house. It was like yeah. 70% to 30 over Bernie Sanders. Crazy victory. If you play clip one. We don't need to make America great again. America has never stopped being great, but we do need to make America whole again. Instead of building walls, we need to be tearing down barriers. So interesting. Her victory speech in South Carolina wasn't about Bernie. It was about Trump. She's already kind of switching her focus a little bit to, uh, to the future. But even the sound of that doesn't seem to resonate with Trump and his followers. No. It seems like she doesn't quite get – I mean, don't just rah-rah us that we're great because a lot of people don't think we're so great. Interesting. She, if, they under, if they overestimate or underestimate the Don's power, he got here somehow and people are angry. Hmm? This is going to be crazy. Or is it just because Donald really is going to hand it to her as some of the... Yeah, that's the conspiracy. That he had a conversation with Bill Clinton before all this started where Bill encouraged him to run. No. And uh, because of that, he is an agent of the Clintons and he will let the Democrats win. That's not it. That's the theory. The the thing about it, the Don's not going to give this up now. He's wanted to be president for a long time. Remember, he kept starting and then not running. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a yeah. He's kind of half in, half out. And yeah. No one believed him. But and my belief is he's really going to be bored. If he became, if he becomes president, it's going to really ruin his life. He'll get in, sit down in the office, and go. Really? Oh, I don't want to talk about this stuff. I want a bald eagle in my office <laughs> again. Right. <laughs> He'll be the first president with a bald eagle in his office. Crazy stuff. Anyway, that's uh That's your political world, folks. Tomorrow's the day. If you live in any of those states, Super Tuesday, get ready. Please study your candidates and uh, make sure you're making an informed choice, not a reactive choice. We'll take a break. Come back. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. We have a whole other hour, two more hours, actually, set up for you. Great guests, great tools uh, to help you live longer and love stronger. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Happy Leap Day. Yay! We added one more day to your life. Uh, You know, and it's a Monday. So you're welcome. Take that. Today is Leap Year Day. Leap Year, also known as the Intercalarie Year or Bisectile Year. Okay. Is a year containing one additional day. Added to keep the calendar year synchronized with the astronomical or seasonal year. Hmm. 
you know, because seasons and the astronomical events do not repeat in a whole number of days, calendars, you know, eventually have to fix themselves. So today we're fixing it by giving you another Monday. Take that. <laughs> Just so you know, the show had nothing to do with it. This has been going on forever. I, I tried to resist. We've been lobbying for years to get this. Yes. But there it is. And now you have it. It's uh, – it's this is a year that is not a leap year. No, a year that is not. This is the only time we call it a leap year. Day only happens every once in a while, every four years, I guess. Yes. So how do you celebrate my leap year? Yes. I usually it's I come to work early. Mm. I have a, a Monday malaise, a little foggy. Okay. Um. Doesn't sound celebratory. No, it's not. It's not always on a Monday. No, I get my. I go to the dentist. Okay, because I, I added another day to my life. So I'm, today I'm going to take advantage of it and go to the dentist. Get those teeth pulled. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, that's how I celebrate. How do you celebrate? It's just another day. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I mean, you can make it special, but it only comes every four years. So yeah, you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, and it really, what are you celebrating? Yeah. We're just resetting the calendar so we're more in tune with, what, the seasonal mm-hmm. astronomical alignment or something? Yeah. We does wanna, does we this have to do with Stonehenge? I, I'm pretty Druids? sure. Druids? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And um, the those weird pressings that you find in cornfields. Crop circles. Crop circles. So aliens is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay. I'm pretty sure the leap year has something to so do with So is this some sort of offering to our alien overlords? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Wow. When you really roll this out, it when makes you, more yeah. sense. When you think of it that way, it totally makes a lot more sense. Um, by the way, I bought a car. I'm not going to name names, but it's a pretty interesting car and it's amazing, but it drives for me. It's really fantastic. I, I realized it has lane assist. Mm-hmm. And in the handbook, it actually says lane assist, especially for you, Matt. We will <laughs> it's keep like talking you. to you. Yeah, it's, it, it was weird. But it basically is there to keep me in my lane. And if I take my hands off the wheel, which I'm known to do, I always put them right behind my head and just like lean back in my chair. It'll drive the car for me. Well, you're supposed to play Candy Crush. I try. How, are, how do you do that when you drive? Uh, I can't. Lane, lane assist. Lane assist is one way Put to it do on it. cruise control, let the car just take care but of But I always get so mad playing Candy Crush that mm. I don't want to do it while I'm driving. I'll do it. I mean, I read books and stuff while I'm driving. And now I can. Lane assist. It does everything. It has a little rear view mirror, uh, like a rear camera. So when I'm changing lanes, I can see if there's a car in my lane that I'm moving into. And I can see how far back they are. Hmm. If it, if I just had like a missile, it would be the, it would be the coolest car in the world. Like if I could shoot something at the car, not to harm anybody, but just something funny, like, like a dart? jello, like jello, okay, like, yeah, like a yeah. jello. That's square. always fun at seventy miles an hour. <laughs> It'd be fun. Just splat some jello on a car, no problem. It's a great car, and it only you know what? It would only took me four hours on a Saturday. Well, and five hundred hours but researching. That's not really even your car, though. It's not. It's more your wife's. It's my wife's car. And you still have the. I still have my car. But the ninety is it ninety or two thousand? No, no, it's a two. I don't know. It's only seven years old, six years old. It's not that bad then. No, but it's it's a great car. I just I'm driving it here today. I'm like I love my car. 
118,000 miles on that car. Do you have a hard time going from the super nice newish thing yes. to your car? Uh-huh. You're, you sit down, and you're like, oh, wow, look at this. Like, I don't even, I have to look over my shoulder to back up. What's up with that? I drove. I have to use a rear view Because mirror? I have a backup camera. I drove all the way to church yesterday Backwards? with my backup camera. That's what it's built for. So cool. It was so cool. As Atlanta assists mm-hmm. you through the neighborhood. We we haven't watched a movie in our other car forever, and we watched – we didn't watch – my son watched a movie on the way to his basketball game the other day. You guys would just be out in the driveway here pretty soon. And then we just – we did. We parked – we were idling for about the last 20 minutes to watch to see if in Hoosiers – he wanted a basketball movie to huh. see if they won the game in Hoosiers. And they did. Does he not get the concept of movies? Yeah. Of course he, they win. We wanted to see. We wanted to see the win. New car, folks. But I'm telling you, these car companies drive you crazy. Well, the dealerships. If you're a dealer, you – and the one we bought it from was great, honestly. But we, we didn't – I hardly talked to that guy. I talked to two or three other dealers and they drove me crazy. And then they didn't have the car I wanted. But I had one dealer that I knew had the car. So I just went to them and got it done in three hours, two hours. And they took my other car, which is all that mattered because <laughs> it had fallen apart. Hey, um, got a great show for you coming up. Today we're going to be uh, getting we – have, we have a relationship expert that's going to be talking about some of her research. Um, Lauren Howe will be joining us. Um, she's going to be just talking about research she has uh, been doing up on making breakups easier, you know, if that's possible. How do you make a breakup easier? Well, we'll get into it. She's done some intriguing research about uh, relationships. We'll talk about that. We will also get to, uh, you know, is your is your young adult, your millennial age child ever going to get married? I'll give you uh, some, some rules, some tools on hopefully uh, things that will help you, you know, be able to help your young adult look at marriage a little differently. We'll get to that. But, uh, but first, let's get to the headlines, Terry. What's going on around the rest of the world that we need to be paying attention to? Thanks, Matt. The Donald Trump situation has gotten much worse, harrowing for some Republicans. I read several articles over the weekend of how the Republican Party is trying to maneuver to either counter Trump or, I guess, absorb the effect of Trump on the party somehow and minimize any damage. Minimize the Trump. It's kind of fun. According to the results of the network of the latest poll from CNN that shows that uh, the all talk about Donald Trump's ceiling has now been put to an end. Joe uh, Cannon, yeah. our political insiders, talked about his ceiling. He usually stops around 30% because the, uh, right. the, the percentage right. of the other, can- other candidates uh, taking up a certain amount of voters. And so his ceiling's 30. They're saying that's not the case anymore. The actual numbers, Trump has nearly a majority of support nationwide among GOPers with 49% responding, rallying behind him. Marco Rubio trails at more than 30%. With only 16% support, Ted Cruz 15%, Ben Carson at 10, Kasich at 6. He goes, we are seeing Republican Party leadership, Republican Party establishment really starting to become more concerned than I've ever seen about the party's very existence going forward if Donald Trump is the nominee. Mm. Uh, Among Democratic primary voters, Clinton leads Sanders 34 in Georgia, 26 points in Tennessee, 21 in Texas. So on the Democratic side, it's pretty clean cut. There it is. Yeah. It's 
looking that way on the Republican side, just the Republicans really aren't happy with it. And one of the things I guess you're going to see, too, is Republicans are having great turnout. So there's a lot of energy in the Republican side. Democrats aren't having as great of turnout. So that might create an energy differential that will need to be overcome. But, yeah, people got to think. This is a big deal. Make sure you know who you really want and why. Because I, I also worry that what about the GOP? If Donald goes in and wins, there's a certain percentage of the GOP that aren't going to want to vote for him. Right. And they really probably aren't going to want to vote for Clinton. No. So where do they go? Independent? I don't know. Or do you just not vote? Do we not vote? How do you do that? I'm not sure. Interesting. We'll find out. On Meet the Press, uh, Republican presidential hopeful Ted Cruz raised questions about frontrunner Donald Trump's tax returns, saying that he may not be releasing them because of alleged ties to the mafia. (laughs) Maybe it's the case that he has given large sums of money to left-wing groups like Planned Parenthood. Well, there have been multiple media reports about Donald's business dealings with the mob, with the mafia. Maybe as tax, taxes show, those business dealings are a lot more extensive than has been reported. I mean, that's a question that, that, that Donald ought to answer. We don't know what it is that he's hiding in those tax returns. Ted Cruz was challenged on this right after he finished that statement there. And he said reports on what he mentioned, ABC and a couple other uh, news outlets and a uh, – a guy, well, it's two or three construction companies that he that Cruz says are known to be owned by an individual who is the mob, a mob right, boss right. of one of the families in New York, and so there's mob ties. Oh my gosh! So we'll have to see where that goes. I'm Super- not saying there is. I'm just saying yeah. some people are saying that. Just saying there's those reports. Super Tuesday tomorrow, we'll have our uh, political insider Joe Cannon on the show tomorrow morning yeah. to preview Super Tuesday. In a letter to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders, businessman Warren Buffett said that presidential candidates who hype economic woes are dead wrong. It's an election year, and candidates can't stop speaking about our country's problems, which, of course, only they can solve, Buffett wrote. Because of this outlook, he wrote, many believe that their children's future is worse off. He says that view is dead wrong. The babies being born in America today are the luckiest crop in history, Buffett says. Mm, see, but they, he's a Wall Streeter insider guy. Yeah. But Interesting. He, he says that the economy is looking up, and these guys are just uh, trying to get you excited to vote by telling you it's not. It's kind <laughs> sure. of kind of an interesting uh, situation there. Uh, we need to talk to our boss Don, yeah, about some equipment ac- ac- acquisitions. Yeah. What do we get? What we are we looking to, for? Uh, kind of step up the technology on the show. I want a spray tan machine. Not not that. But Not that way. We need to hire somebody to run the machine. I, maybe just Ben could run it. Developers will soon get their first opportunity to create apps and games for Microsoft's HoloLens mixed reality headset, ooh, ooh. which adds holographic computer images to the wearer's physical environment. Microsoft announced today that development uh, the development edition of its holographic eyewear will start shipping to developers on March 30th. Pre-orders will start immediately with a price tag of $3,000. Wow. Do you think they will okay a $3,000 purchase for the show? Oh, sure. They love our show. This version of the HoloLens is aimed at software creators rather than consumers. It will give programmers the chance to experience the device so they can create a vibrant software, you know, apps and all kinds of games and stuff. The idea is virtual reality is you put the headset on and it gives you an entire world. Mm. This is actually called augmented reality. Okay. So when you look through the glasses, like you'll see this, you see a table. You'll like if you're in a room and there's a physical actual table there, you'll see the table. But then the computer will look at it and start placing objects on the table. Oh, that's great! So virtual objects right there, and they think that it'll have 
applications for uh, like mechanics and you know medical type thing yeah. where you can go in and and kind of virtually look at look at something whatever, before you do it. Yeah, and kind of tinker with it and then go take care of it actually, or even maybe like a surgery down the road yeah. where you can virtually look into but be actually surgically you know with, with tools it. surgically fixing something. Yeah, we need that for sure. Then we could then we could look at our show ahead of time and see how it's going to turn out. Well, I just want to play games. <laughs> I mean, there's there's real world well, don't say that. engineering, medical type reasons. I just want to play games. I'm trying to make a case for it. I can't just okay. do it the case is on games. I'm right. trying to make the case so that Don will buy it. I want to come in and like fly jet fighters and blow stuff up. Don't say that either. Just say Why? I want to I want to make sure our show tomorrow. Oh. I want to be able to put everything on the table, okay, and look at it, play yeah. with it, and see if it's going to be a good, good show tomorrow. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that'll work. They might just say. I think we have a better chance of getting the spray tan machine. Okay, and I, I want that, and I want, I really want Ben to be in charge of it. I think most of the people in the office would be supportive of the spray tan. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think most of our staff would love it. Hmm. Spray tan. I mean. And we won't. We you don't want the orange look. No, no. We'll just go like a tangerine. Okay. I think we get more listeners if we all had spray tans as well. Well, it's interesting. You said listeners, and then you gave us a visual thing like a spray tan. We'd probably get more listeners if we had better content. Yeah. Not. But spray our tans. our confidence would be. There. I, that's what I'm going for. See, I'm going for the confidence, and then I want a spray tan, and then I want somebody to highlight my ab, and and make it look like it's not just one ab; it's like six. I want a six pack. So, a makeup artist. Yeah. Come in and draw. I things. don't like the term makeup artist. Okay. Uh, I like ab enhancer. All right. Ab singular. Well, enhancer. We, we've seen the hiring process here. They just make up names for things. So. Well, that's that's <laughs> everywhere. They do that everywhere. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, we'll get you. We'll give you the latest update on if we're going to get spray tan or not. Um, but before that, let's let's take a break, and uh, we'll be going to uh, discuss why some people take breakups harder than others, and and how you make breaking up easier. We're going to be talking to a researcher about it. Lauren Howe will be joining us uh, from Virginia, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, people deal with breakups in different ways. Some of us bury ourselves in our work while others in a hobby, you know, or just simply they bury themselves in gallons of gallons of pounds of ice cream. You know what, though? When it comes right down to it, here's the deal. Breakups are hard, but for some of us, they seem to be even harder than for others and uh, now science is taking a crack at the breakup in a relationship. Our guest today is Lauren Howe, um, author of the study, uh, author of the article, Why Some People Take Breakups Harder Than Others, an article um, that was in the Atlantic magazine. She is uh, a Ph.D. candidate at Stanford and is here today to talk to us about uh, the relationship breakup and the science behind it. Lauren, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Matt, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Great to have you. To me, this is 
such, I think, interesting research. As somebody that works with couples in relationships, the breakup is something we usually don't we don't spend a lot of time talking about. So how did it become the focus of your research? Yeah, so Matt, I think you said it perfectly when you said that uh, breakups are something that's really painful for everyone. Um, so my co-author, Carol Dweck, and I became really interested in why some people more than others seem to really struggle to let go of the pain of rejection. Um, we thought that it's, it's very interesting that in a lot of research it shows that people will bounce back and recover after rejection, but for some people, um, they just continue to feel worse and worse. And yeah. we really wondered um, what distinguished between those two groups of people. And then you, you, in some of your research, it looks like you got into how it impacts their identity, how it impacts their sense of self. Exactly. So one thing that we uh, noticed that was really interesting is that people talk about breakups in very different ways. Um, we noticed that one group of people really seemed to link the breakup to something about themselves. They were really asking um, in the light of rejection what was wrong. They wondered whether there was something that was wrong with them, uh, whether the person who had rejected them had noticed that they weren't good enough in some way. Uh, and that really contrasted with a lot of the other stories that people told themselves in the light of a breakup. Um, so people said, you know, um, we were both good people, but we just weren't compatible. The timing was wrong. We were on different pages. Um, some people talked about how everyone gets broken up with, how it's almost part of life, a really mm. common human experience. Um, and some people uh, linked rejection to their self, but also felt like uh, they had the potential to change. So they would say, you know, I was bad at communicating in that relationship. But since then, I've been able to learn how to be clearer about my expectations and have had satisfying relationships since then. Oh, interesting. Um, so there were all these very different stories about rejection. So did, I guess, did the story that the that the person told about the breakup, I guess, did that impact their ability to move on? Is that what you found? Or, or what did you find? Yeah, so the first interesting thing that we found was people who did tell this story where they linked rejection to the self seemed to be the very people who were struggling with rejection the most. So um, they were the people who were likely to say, I still um, get really upset. I'm still bothered when I think about this breakup. And they also expected that um, they might experience similar things in the future. So they were really worried about uh, future rejections. So they would say things like, I put up walls in relationships to protect myself. Um, I worry that if someone found out that I were rejected, they would think that I had baggage. Um, so we see people kind of moving forward from rejections in very different ways when they link rejections to the self. Hmm. Does it matter if it's does it matter if if it's accurate or not? I mean, if it was really their their fault, if they really were the one that maybe had done something to blame, that might make sense. But it also could seem like you know they they could they could just make up stories about why the why they were breaking up anyway and if the stories aren't true they're just kind of more delusional does 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 accuracy of the data matter yeah so i think it definitely could um and i think it, you know it can be very healthy to think about the role that the self played um in a rejection and I think what's really key here is whether you uh, believe that you have the potential to change. Mm. You can imagine if you believe that you have the potential to change and identify something that you'd like to um, do better in relationships, that that could be a really positive experience. But what might be really negative is feeling like this um, experience just revealed some kind of negative characteristic that you have. And yeah. if you don't think you can work on and change that, that could be really damaging. Oh, wow. That's interesting. What, what, what were some other findings that you found uh, in your research? Yeah, so besides um, one central finding was this uh, idea that linking the self to rejection could be really damaging, 
And the next question that we had was, what kinds of people are more likely to uh, have this reaction in the face of rejection? And what we found was that beliefs about personality were really uh, crucial here. Um, So there's two different kinds of beliefs that people might have about personality in general. They might believe that uh, personality is something that can change and develop over time, what's called a growth mindset. Or they might have a fixed mindset where they believe that personality is something that's stable and that your traits tend to become set in stone. And what we found is that people who had this uh, latter view, the belief that personality is fixed and doesn't tend to change, were people who were more likely to worry and wonder in the face of rejection um, who they really were and what that rejection revealed about Mm. them. Yeah, that's kind of like determinism, right? You're determined to be just broken. You're broken. Yeah, so... What we thought was really interesting was that these people seemed to see rejection as a piece of evidence that they were someone who was broken or deficient in some way. Huh. And then, yeah, then you can almost see, too, how this would just keep self-fulfilling because you can't change. You're set. You're set. Yeah, you're condemned to life with this new negative knowledge oh. about yourself. Interesting. And so in the research, though, I guess o- over overall, it was the people that had the fixed mindset that kind of felt like they were to blame. This is a fixed trait. This isn't going to get better. It, what percentage of the sample have that mindset? Yeah, so um, across all of the different studies that we conducted, it tended to be about half and half of the group. Wow. Where would somebody get that mindset that, that you know, that their personality is a fixed trait? I mean, I know that that's is really part of the theory, question. isn't it? I mean, that's in the theory of personality theories. I mean, that's one of them. But where do they get that just in the regular world? Yeah. So I think what's very interesting is that both messages about personality um, could be out there. There's, you know, some evidence, for instance, if you take a trait like intelligence, that it is um, you know, genetically uh, heritable um, and also that it can be uh, developed. So I think there's, there's evidence for both views of right. attributes. Um, and a lot of research that's ongoing right now looks at how those uh, mindsets could be passed down, for instance, from parents to their children. So that's a question that psychologists are still working on and um, I think a very exciting line of research. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's incredible, really. That, And you've been able to pinpoint people that are in breakups, having breakups, if they have this fixed mindset that that they have a personality flaw or whatever, then it's going to it's going to impact them. What What did you see that it would do different to them? How do they respond differently to the breakup? Yeah. So the um, things that we found um, the most evidence for was that um, they tended to feel a lot more uh, negative emotion kind of directed at themselves. So they tended to say things like, I'm really ashamed when I think about this rejection. I'm really embarrassed. I'm very disappointed in myself, uh, which we saw as another kind of link to the self in the face of rejection. Um, they also tended to just see this rejection as a pattern. So they started to worry that they might never find anyone who really loved them, that they were bad at relationships, and the same kind of thing might keep happening to them. Hmm. Wow. Did, um, and that was about 50% of the sample. And then those that have kind of the change or growth paradigm uh, about their personality, I guess they could just slough this off like, if it is me, I'll change, I'll learn to grow out of this, but this is just a blip on the radar. So for some people, it was a very important moment, but they saw it as a stepping stone for growth. So they said, you know, maybe it was a a key experience in their life or a very important experience in their life. Um, But they were able to see it in this positive light as a lesson um, that they, you know, maybe had something that they wanted to work on, but were able to kind of, um, you know, harness uh, 
with that lesson from the rejection and move forward to better things. Holy cow. That's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, you would, you would think that the idea of breaking up wouldn't just come maybe down to this more binary mindset thing, but it's that, that's one of your key learnings. So do we, what do we do? What do we do with it? And what do you see can be done with it in the practice of breaking up? Yeah, so I see um, two very different uh, things that we might be able to do in order to help people improve reactions to breakups. So um, one might be to um, and change people's mindset about personality, so to encourage the belief that we can change and develop over time. And In one of our studies, we found that when we presented people with an article that um, described evidence that personality can be developed, that we can work on uh, key social traits and things like that, um, that people then responded to a breakup differently when they imagined uh, dealing with a breakup. Yeah. So that's one uh, strategy. I think another would be to kind of question the things that we tell ourselves in the wake of a rejection. I think all of us kind of some, can sometimes have a gut instinct to ask ourselves the question, what did I do wrong? Like, uh, you know, what was wrong with me? Um, so I think kind of questioning the narratives that we tell ourselves after a breakup could be helpful too. asking ourselves questions about why it might not have been all about us. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Did, did you see any differences be- with these mindsets or uh, or the approach to a breakup between men and women? Yeah, that was one thing we were very curious about. Uh, we actually didn't see any differences uh, between men and women. Um, most of the differences that we saw in our study were driven by these mindsets, but um, differences uh, between men and women weren't consistent across the five studies. Huh. And, and there's got to be a difference, too, in just the mindsets in how people act in a relationship in general. So not even just the breakup, it seems like if my mindset is that I can change and grow versus that I'm fixed uh, and this is just who I am, that also must impact how we date, how we interact, how we go about being in a relationship. Yeah, I think it could um, very likely impact people's goals in relationships. And even how we break up maybe or why we break up. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think it could... uh, really affect how people respond to conflict within the relationship before a breakup, whether they see that um, as a sign that uh, the relationship's kind of doomed or whether they see that as an opportunity um, to kind of grapple with differences and uh, whether they see the potential for growth from conflict within the relationship itself. Yeah. Well, man, Lauren, you're getting really good at breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, guess that, I guess that's a compliment, isn't it? What? Um, so what would you suggest to the rest of us, you know, this week before uh, – the big um, Valentine's Day, what would you suggest are the components of a healthy breakup? Yeah, so I guess uh, one message that I love is that rejection actually leads to a brighter future. Um, I think in dealing with uh, painful rejections, we all have the potential to really uh, find out more about ourselves, find out more about our our values and expectations when it comes to relationships. So I actually would love to spread the message that uh, dealing with rejection is a good thing and makes you a richer person. That's right. Uh, so I hope that's good. Uh, Valentine's Day can often bring up painful memories. So I hope that we can uh, learn to see the brighter side of these painful memories. You bet. And, and in reality, when you think about it, most most relationships you've been in that were like intimate romantic relationships, you break up with, right? Very few do you stick it out forever. Yeah, right. there will be a lot of breakups until there's one thing to last. So that's right. That's there's that's why it's the universal, um, and and again too, it does make you a richer person. Any other advice that um, you might want to give somebody? I guess when they're dating, it seems like 
we really want to make sure we're we're recognizing that you know relationship growth is a changing process, not necessarily a fixed one. Yeah. Um, uh, so, a piece of advice about uh, how to deal with that change, or yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, an expectation for for change um, could be something that's really valuable. That um, if you expect that you're going to, um, you know change and develop through the relationship, change who you are, and also see the other person change. Maybe that could be a helpful mindset to have. Where do you see you're going to take this in the future, This all this research about rejection and and self? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of other really interesting questions still to be answered. I think one really uh, important question is how these mindsets might affect uh, people's relationship satisfaction. So we found in our research that people who have a fixed mindset are really afraid to talk about rejections. They worry that other people will think less highly of them if they find out about past breakups. And you could imagine that really negatively impacting new relationships when you get to know someone, if you feel like you have to hide all of these skeletons in your closet, that maybe that might make that person feel less close to you, that might cause some problems with intimacy. Mm. So I think that's one really interesting question for future research. Oh, that's huge. And also maybe we got to figure out how we get these mindsets into people. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because it could just be um, subtle parenting things that we're doing, right, that might create more of a fixed mentality. Yeah, and actually uh, one of my colleagues um, studies these mindsets in the context of um, academic achievement, and what she's finding is that parents' reactions to failures can be really important in shaping their uh, children's mindsets. So it's one really interesting thing to think about. Oh, yeah, interesting, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, we, we, we're either, you, you know, you're either good at math or you're not. Versus, exactly. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Well, we appreciate your work. I think it's fantastic. Just as somebody that's dealing with relationships all the time and talking about them on the show, um, I think it's very, very enlightening. We appreciate you for your great work, Lauren, and good luck uh, with uh, finishing your PhD there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Interesting stuff, folks. When you think about it, relationship breakups, we're, we're all going to go through them. But do you see that life is something you can change and grow and develop because of what you're learning and how you're going through life? Or is your personality fixed? Are you set? And is failure a sign that you're not cutting it? Interesting, interesting paradigms and how they impact us in all ways. We'll talk about it more. We'll take a break, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. You know, we just learned a lot about uh, how the breakups impact us. Maybe it's some of those breakups that are keeping people from wanting to move forward and date anyway. I have a lot of clients that come and talk to me and they're like, oh, is my is my millennial or my young adult ever going to get married? And, you know, as somebody that looks over, you know, a desk every day from a young millennial, the answer to that is obviously no. No, they're not. It's never going to happen. At least this one's not. At least this one's not. Even if you make all the ice cream in the world, Ben, it still may not happen. But a lot of people are like, that's fine. That's fine. I don't want my kid married yet. 
you know. Interesting. Uh, we've had we've had some great guests on recently um, that, of course, you, you don't need to push your kid to get married. But there will be a point where you'll be thinking, seriously, are you ever going to get married? When is this going to happen? So we wanted today to I wanted to spend a little bit of time in the coach's corner talking about marriage. Marriage. And it, when you think about it, it's not always, you know, it's, it's not always that we, we just are choosing not to get married. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people aren't dating, aren't getting married. In fact, next hour we'll be, we'll be talking to a, an expert um, who works and coaches, with, coaches singles and, and does everything she can to help them um, create a healthier and, and I think happier, uh, happier life. But there's there's certain things that have to be there, and and if somebody wants to get married, there's four needs I teach that have to be in play. You you, you got to have you got to want four things while you're dating to create, I think, some movement. The first one is you got to be you got to want to be in the game. Um, and we had uh, a great expert on Brian Willoughby here from Brigham Young University that talked about. Uh, a few uh, a week ago or so about the fact that so many people are missing the market. They're not even in the dating game. They're just not in it. They may have taken themselves out while they're finishing a program. You know, they're finishing their degree. Many people decide that they're not even going to date seriously until they are older, until they have finished school, for example. Or some will say, I'm not going to date seriously till I'm through my first year of law school. Or until I'm done with medical school or until I've, you know, until I finish this program or this certificate or I'm back from an internship. And the minute you set that that goal in your head that you're not going to do something until then, you may be removing yourself from the game. In the end, you've got you've to be available when people are available. And I think a lot of us, uh, and especially... And we're doing them for good reasons. There's a lot of uh, kids that go on LDS missions, and they remove themselves for two years to go on an LDS mission, and they're not in the dating game for two years. Now, many people would say, well, I know, but that's fine, but you'll come back and there's other people to date. Well, except um, a lot of times you date who you know, and you date your the people from your cohort, the people from your age group. And when you pull yourself out for an extended period of time from – an age group and a group of people that you know, you actually might be shrinking or the size of the market around you might be shrinking as you're out of the game. And you just assume you can inject yourself back into that market and all of a sudden find your partner. But that may not always be the case. Like like Brian Willoughby was teaching us, the ideal age for the happiest marriages, believe it or not, are ages 22 to 25. We've talked about other research on the show that said if you got married at 29, you'll you'll be the ha- you'll have a good marriage. But the research shows what you'll have is the least likely marriage to divorce. That doesn't necessarily equate to the happiest marriage. Happiest marriages with the least likely chance of divorcing happen between 22 and 25. And again, if you're planning on if you're 27 by the time you're deciding to get married, you may be, you know, out of the market, out of the game. So there's something going on obviously because people are choosing to get married older. Another reason is simply because they 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 don't necessarily have a pro-marriage role model. 
for example, uh, their parents are sitting there saying, do not get married young. Don't get married young. Get, just wait, wait, get your degree. Once you've got your degree. So even the parents are pushing, wait to get the degree. But then parents, if you're pushing your children to wait, then you shouldn't be surprised when they do. Make sense? You can't really have it both ways. Yeah, but you didn't know this guy, Matt. This guy was such a loser. You did not know this guy. So if you want to promote marriage in your life with your kids and your young adults, then you've got to be a pro-marriage parent. That might also mean you've got to like being married yourself. If your kids see that you hate marriage, that might be another reason why these millennials are saying, I don't know if I want to go there. My mom hates it. My dad can't stand it. If you don't make marriage look appealing, then why would we expect people to do it? So one of the benefits of being a millennial today is you, you've seen how your parents have handled their lives. So that may be one reason you're choosing not to be in the game is you never had a pro-marriage role model. You never had somebody that saw the benefit or the need or the love of it. Another reason um, that uh, we've talked about recently on the show, too, is that you got to want it. And there's a big uh, issue with attachment that they're finding out that your ability to attach to another human being is probably one of the most important skills or tools you've got in your life. Do you feel like, just as you're a listener today, do you feel like you have a really strong ability to connect in and attach in a healthy way to another person? Do you feel like you're healthy about it, or do you feel like you're more desperate for them, needy for them? According to the research, uh, some of the latest research that uh, Dr. Vanita Mehta shared with us a while ago is you've got um, about uh, since in the last 20 years, since about 1988, that that people have become more unhealthily um, attached – So 60% of the people today have an unhealthy ability to attach. They don't attach well, which was weird because 20 years ago, it was about 50% had an attachment issue. Only 50% had an attachment issue. Today, 60% have an attachment issue, which means only 40% of the people in your dating pool have the ability to in, to attach in a healthy way. That might be another reason why people are prolonging marriage. So, and we talked about it, the fact if you if you don't have a strong attachment, then some tendencies you'll have. One thing is to just simply be, you know, um, basically not into wanting to get married. You actually are not pro marriage. You actually you don't want to marry a, but you actually don't see a need for it. So you become kind of an anti-marriage evangelist. And if you start becoming somebody that doesn't need marriage, then that will pretty much ensure you're not going to find somebody that's going to want you. Another thing we do is we get preoccupied. If I am not into healthy attachment, then I might get more preoccupied with my life, my business, my work, my degrees. And I think so some of these kids that are just too busy and they're prolonging their, their idea of getting married, they just – it's not that they don't see a need for it. They want to get married. It's just going to happen after they're done with school. So imagine that you're dating somebody like that. That's a hard date. Somebody that doesn't – is not anxiously wanting to be with you 
Um, and so we'll just wait three more years. Then we cohabitate, and that creates other issues uh, as far as marriage stability. Uh, couples that do cohabitate before aren't happier. They are less likely to get married. They're less likely to to actually make the relationship work. So um, interesting, just interesting stats from the researchers. Um, the other thing that people tend to do if they're not necessarily uh, able to attach in a healthy way, they tend to fear relationships. And when they fear them, they're not so excited to get into them. And then the last simple rule is some people uh, just don't know how to date. They don't know how to do it. And they don't have the skills. They don't have the ability. They've never taken a class. They've never read a book. And they've never been good at it by just dating on their own. And it creates problems. So you got to want it. You got to be in the game. You got to have role models that are pro marriage. And you got to know how to do it. And if you don't have those things, then it's going to, you're probably going to slow down your path. So, parents, you know, don't just sit there and complain. Sit down and talk to your kids. Is it one of those issues? Are they just not in the game? They're not around people to date. Where do you find a date today if you don't go to a bar? If you're somebody that's not going to go to a bar and drink, where do you find the date? At work? Well, I'm working. (laughs) And they dissuade us from dating at work. Okay? So you can't find them necessarily at work. And if you're done with school or if you're not going to school, it's hard to find a date. And are you a great role model, parents? Have you taught your child, you know, the importance of relationships, the importance of marriage, that they're not disposable, that we don't just throw them away? Anyway, just a little uh, coach's corner for you. Instead of worrying about your child eventually getting married, why don't you just talk to them? Find out what's going on in their life. And uh, be their coach. Be their guide on the side. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we got to talk about the leap here. Uh, one of our producers, Liana Tan, will be joining us and uh, giving us a little insight on uh, the leap year. What's it all about? Why are we even leaping a year? Today's leap year day, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, hopefully you didn't flip your calendars yet, because if you didn't notice, it's still February. Today is February 29th, which means it's Leap Day. And have you ever wondered why February usually only has 28 days or what Leap Day, uh, you know, and what is even Leap Day for? What is it just to help us even out? One of our producers, Leanna Tan, who helps us produce the 9 hour, nine o'clock hour of the show, has put together a package giving us all the answers to our Leap Year Day questions. Let's check it out. Welcome to the last day in February. I know what you're thinking. Wow, that flew by. Where did February go? Well, you may think that February is short now, but it was much shorter on the calendar in the beginning. In fact, it was non-existent. Why? Let me tell you. The innate tendency to hate winter didn't just develop when foggy car windows and turtlenecks came around. It's a quality we inherited from our ancestors and dates back to the 8th century when everyone was farmers and loved the sun for their crops. So, no one even acknowledged that winter existed. Talk about wishful thinking. Back then, they used a calendar that started in March and was only 10 months long. But then, King Numa Pompilius came around and thought that was ridiculous. He must have been one of those ski-loving snowman builders that thought winter deserved some sort of recognition. (sighs) 
So he introduced January and February to the end of the calendar, making the year about 355 days long. Here's a twist, though. The Romans believed even numbers were unlucky, so Numa tried to make each month odd by making them have either 29 or 31 days. But to reach the quota of 355, one month had to be even. Since it was at the end of the calendar, poor February ended up with only 28 days. <laughs> but we all know who really gets the last word. Mr. Caesar Augustus came around and wanted to do things his way, aligning the calendar with the sun, adding a few days so that everything added up to 365 days, and sticking February at the top of the calendar, probably so that people could have a half a year to prepare to celebrate the month named after him. In order to have his own month last a little longer, instead of giving back little February its rightful last couple of days, Mr. Augustus tacked the leftover days onto the end of his month in August and left poor little February with only 28 days again. (laughs) But today is different. Today is actually the 29th day of February, which only happens once in every four years. (gasps) So congratulations, you're working an extra whole day for the same annual salary. So what is this mysterious, apparating 29th day? Well, a complete orbit of the Earth around the Sun actually takes about 365 and a quarter days to complete. But our calendars just use plain 365 days. So that extra quarter of a day adds up every four years into one extra day. Everyone agreed that February had been bullied long enough and decided to give that extra day to February in what is called Leap Day. So, what about those people that are unfortunate enough to have their birthday fall on Leap Day and only get a birthday every four years? People born on February 29th are referred to as Leaplings or Leapers, and they are a rare species. I searched high and low for a Leaper, but they are hard to find. It makes sense, though, because according to the Telegraph, the chances of having a Leap birthday are 1 in 1,461. Wow. Persistence never fails, though, and I finally found one. We received a letter from Tim Pei from Morgan, Utah, who tells us what life as a leaper is really like. As for being born on Leap Day, it's a pretty awesome gig. Some pregnant women will get induced that they'll have their kid on the 29th, but my mom didn't even realize what day it was until she was already at the hospital. So I'm as legit as leapers can be. My wife didn't believe me when she first found out what my birthday was. She thought I was joking. One of the nice things about being born on Leap Day is that it's reassuring to know you're pretty far above average being a six-year-old married and in college. But being born on Leap Year can come with its trials, too, such as knowing that my kids and maybe even grandkids will all pass me up in age, or only getting to celebrate my birthday for the time it takes for the clock to switch from 11.59 on the 28th to midnight on the 1st of March. One of the funny things is that people always say happy birthday to me on the 28th, but if you think about it logically, the first is really the day that I reach a full year. I'm, I'm never sure what to do about that. The best part about the whole thing, though, is that when it actually is my birthday, it's four times cooler than anybody else's. So like I said, it's a pretty awesome gig. Well, there you have it. Leapers really do exist, and so does February 29th. So go enjoy an extra dose of February, and happy Leap Day. Thank you, Liana. Leapers do exist, which sure is better than lepers. Um... Uh, And great insight for all of us on this Leap Year Day. We're going to take a break, folks. That's hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us one more hour. More tools, more ideas to help you uh, live longer, love stronger. We'll be right back.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Happy Leap Year Day. One more day for you. And it's a Monday. I mean, it couldn't have been another Friday. It was a Monday. You're welcome. Wouldn't that be powerful to have the power to just keep giving everybody a free day? Yeah. We did it. You didn't do it. No, we did. I got the email. What do you mean? I got an email saying we could announce. It's right here. It's just right here. The extra day? The extra day. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Hey, thanks, Matt. Straight from above. You tend to take credit for things that I really don't think you're involved February 29th, leap year day. Hmm. Okay, I Uh, guess we'll go with it. It must be from us because it was on my paper. Once it's on my paper. The facts are in. The facts are in. They are clear. So you could have watched the the Oscars. Nope. Or you could have watched, you know, you know, news discussions about Donald Trump. Nope. And, you know, him not denying the KKK thing or Ted Cruz being a mass murderer. He did come out and say that he felt there was a problem with his earpiece and he didn't hear the KKK question or the he didn't hear the the Klan association question. So well, that's, that's why he didn't answer. Well, that makes sense. Against it. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful. And he knows who David Duke is. He knows he's a former Grand Wizard. And all I that, know. But he didn't hear the question. So instead of launching into. A, uh, you know, a, a discussion of this. He he decided to play like he didn't know what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, his uh, his earpiece was out. Yes. He, he, I mean, he didn't know. Can't hold him responsible. Right. He goes, if I just went ahead and, and commented on every single group that supports me without looking into them, that would be irresponsible. I need to look into this. And the guy's... the. the Jake Tapper, he's on CNN. He goes, I'm just talking about the KKK... <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> and then they moved on in the interview. But he just you hear him like, it's the Klan? It's, they've been around for how long? Have you heard of these guys? Are these people you possibly want to be associated with? Okay, fine. Go ahead. And move yet, to the next question. And yet again, Senator Jeff Sessions from Alabama basically endorsed him. He did, did endorse him. He did. So he's getting support now. He's got Chris Christie, Jeff Sessions. A lot of people are jumping on the Trump wagon. I bet it's a nice wagon. Gold-plated. Gold-plated wagon. The nicest wagon you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? And so many others are so frustrated, disappointed in the Trumpster, his willingness to bash people. But now they're all kind of bashing. Marco Rubio makes fun of Trump's spray tan. Some in Florida think Ted Cruz looks like a, a mass murderer. I mean, that's crazy. Come on. Come on. He looks like the police uh, sketch. sketch artist of a possible suspect of, of the in the Zodiac killer. killer. Yeah. Come on. You think he looks like... Grandpa Munster. Grandpa Munster. Just look it up. It's right there. I think they're all wonderful people. Do you really? K- yeah, it's I not, do. It's I not totally what you do. say in the office. Yeah. K- Kasich, on the other hand, uh, he's pretty sure that Donald's going to run the table. Cruz needs to win Texas because then it, Cruz can say he's the only guy that's beat Donald twice. Is it smart to still be running and then talk about this other guy winning everything? 
Yeah, it seems like that's not good psychology. Shouldn't he just drop out if he doesn't think he's going to? But he's going to go for the big Ohio day and see if he could win Ohio, maybe Michigan, get some of those states. But what's the point? Well, I guess to collect some delegates. So that you go to the convention and cause yeah. chaos and maybe sneak in at the end as the... Yeah. Or, or is he looking for a cabinet seat or does he want to be like a secretary well, of state or something? Probably wants to be seen as viable. Okay. But in the end, Super Tuesdays tomorrow, folks. Make sure you're involved. This is crazy. It's a crazy time. Uh, again, Rubio, everybody keeps saying, Rubio, you got to win one. Hmm. And he looks like he might have a harder time winning one. Kasich could maybe pull out Ohio. Cruz might pull out Texas, which will give him 55 delegates out of 600 from Super Tuesday. Is that right? Well, you know, it's politics. But we'll, we will have... Our Washington insider, uh, Joe Cannon, will be here tomorrow to walk us through the, you know, what to watch for when it comes to Super Tuesday. On the show today, we're going to be talking with Alyssa Goodwin-Snell. She is an expert in um, dating. She's a singles coach and a relationship coach that uh, is going to help you understand why you may not be dating the people that you actually want to date. Ben, you're going to listen to this one. Yep, I got my pencil and paper. Good. I tell you, I'm not. Yeah, you're married. I'm not dating the. Oh wait, you're married to the person you want to be married to. Right, right. It's your wife where we feel bad for. Hey, I mean she, that in the best way possible. She's in a great situation. Yeah. What? Oh, she sounds. She's she's a wonderful woman. She didn't give you any sort of signs of distress when you saw her. Actually, she slipped me a note. No, she did not. She didn't. She's like, I won't allow such things. It was one word. It was one word in really in caps. Help? Help. Hmm. Help. That's just a little joke that we have. Really? Yeah. It's like, ha ha. She's help. in danger. Help, <laughs> officer. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, that happens. <laughs> That's just sad. So, so sad. Let's, uh, let's go to you, Terry, and get you out of this little hole we've dug for you. What hole? My uh, wife is in a loving, very, very healthy relationship. At work. And hey, not with another, just with work. She loves work. Not really. And then she comes. To, oh, don't say that on the air. No, they know. Yeah, they know. And then she comes home and she's she loves your baby to death. Your cute little boy. She loves you. Are you kidding? I'm there. You're there. Just window dressing. <laughs> You're a good dad. Good husband. Hmm. Let's uh, get to the headlines, Terry. What you got going on around the rest of the world that we need to pay attention to? Thanks, Matt. As we talked about, Super Tuesday tomorrow, latest polling results from NBC and the Wall Street Journal that were out Sunday morning. Trump earned 30% support from Georgia Republican voters, followed by 23% for both Cruz and Rubio. In Tennessee, Trump holds an 18-point lead over Cruz, 40% to 22%. And uh, Cruz leads Trump in Texas thirteen or by 13 points, 39 to 26. So that one could change overnight to make it a more close uh, contest. Rubio trails in third with 16% in Texas. Marco Rubio talking or taking talking over the weekend about how it's important to stop Trump. Hmm. You know, it's not about boycott or anything. It's just we want opportunity. That is not, not Rubio. Black actors to get the same opportunities. He went on to say that if we let Trump win, then that's going to open the door for Democrats, and then all of a sudden Hillary or Bernie gets in. Mm. And it was funny because he's. This was right before Rubio was talking about the whole uh, David Duke and racism and all this. Yeah. And so he starts talking about 
Bernie Sanders, and he goes, Bernie Sanders is a racist. He goes, wait, 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 no, no, he's a socialist. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> Bernie Sanders is a racist. And he had to correct himself. Yeah, fix that. He misspoke. But can you, can you imagine how many speeches they give and how many times they, they, no, there's totally. opportunity to trip up? Well, and of all people, Bernie marched against yes. oppression in the right. 60s or whatever. That's he goes, crazy. Bernie's a great guy. He's, he's it, just a he's socialist. Just a socialist. Not a racist. Not a Some racist. Republicans are beginning to fear Marco Rubio is the only hope against Donald Trump, a concern rooted perhaps in the fact that Rubio doesn't appear to be very good at making friends. In a, uh, a delve into the Republican side of the presidential race, the New York Times has a story about Rubio. He reaches out to Chris Christie for an endorsement after Chris Christie dropped out, but accidentally offended the New Jersey governor. Rubio made a 10 overture to Christie about uh, after his withdrawal from the presidential race, his he left the governor with a voicemail seeking Mr. Christie's support and assuring him that he has a bright future in public service. According to the people who have heard Mr. Christie's characterization of the message, Christie took the message as deeply disrespectful and patronizing, questioning why a 44-year-old was telling him about his future. Mm. And he described his reaction on the – this was people that aren't going to identify themselves making these uh, claims about what actually happened. Further efforts to connect the two never yielded a direct conversation. And as we know, uh, Christie went on to endorse Trump. Yeah. And Rubio lost out on that. Rubio has apparently botched endorsement efforts with Jeb Bush also. A short phone call with Bush after the suspension of his campaign did not last long, and Rubio did not ask for an endorsement. Mitt Romney also reportedly flirted with the idea of a Rubio endorsement, but pulled back and decided to take on Trump more directly, as he did last week with his taxes. They're doing everything they can right now. So Rubio went after Christie and apparently talked down to him. Yeah, yeah. To, not to Christie's liking. Right. He went after Jeb Bush. The phone call ended quickly. There was no uh, no endorsement discussion at all. And uh, Mitt Romney decided against endorsing Rubio. Mm. So maybe Rubio's on the way out. Who knows? Yeah, totally. Interesting. Uh, journalism drama Spotlight scored Best Picture as well as Best Original Screenplay at the 88th Annual Academy Awards Sunday night. The Revenant, uh, what, the best, but uh, besting the Revenant for the top award. The... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio won Best Actor in his sixth nomination for The Revenant. And Alison Brie took home Best Actress for the movie Room. Other than that, if you want to know more, you probably watched. Yeah, and you, you not, some of you have even seen of some of these shows. We, we haven't seen most of these shows. Have you seen The Martian? Yes. But they didn't get, it didn't was nominated but didn't win any. It's my favorite. It won my favorite uh, agrarian movie in space. About potatoes. Growing a potato. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Great Wonderful. Movie. An Australian boy. Yes. On a lighter note. What? An Australian boy had his arm stuck in the vending machine for nearly six hours before he was sedated and then freed. The four-year-old boy named Leo was on vacation with his family in Melbourne on Sunday when he reached into a machine to grab a bag of chips after spotting it in a hotel lobby. This according to the BBC. I don't think he's seen a vending machine before, so when he saw the Oreos and some chips and a few other things, his father said... Uh, he decided to go for it. The family lives in a very remote area at the northern tip of Australia, he added. The boy began screaming when his arm became trapped in the machine uh, kind of as an anti-theft mechanism. Oh. So the four-year-old's in the machine. He gets caught and he can't get his arm back out, so he starts screaming going nuts. Yeah. Emergency crews cut open the machine, freeing the child who had been sedated and distracted with smartphones. <laughs> and he was taken to a hospital in stable condition. That's all it takes is no a word, No word on if he got his bag of chips or not. Yeah. I bet he 
didn't. Give the four-year-old a bag of chips. Allegedly, he did get the bag of chips. Hope so. That's how you trap a monkey, remember? You, if they won't let go of the thing, they can't get their hand out. So they had to sedate him. They sedated him. Then so he would let go of maybe his that's what happened. chips. It works every time. That's how I got Ben out of our vending machine just this morning. And two times before. Yeah, and two times last week. From now on, we're just bringing uh, Ben some some uh, cute fruit, snacks. fruit snacks. That keeps him happy. Yeah. We let them play with our iPhones. Juice boxes. Juice box. Good stuff. Hey, uh, if you are a single and you're wondering why you keep dating people that you uh, really don't even want to date, we're going to be talking to a dating expert, uh, Elisa Goodwin-Snell will be joining us. She's going to walk us through 10 different uh, tools, 10 different reasons to watch out for uh, why you may be dating people you don't even want to date. Stick with us, folks. This could uh, This could get you married. This is the segment you're going to want to listen to. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Not just you single ladies, you single guys, too. I know Ben, it's the first time I've ever seen him sit up in his chair. He's got his pen and paper ready. He's ready to take notes because, folks, today we're talking about 10 reasons why you're not dating the people you want to date. Come on! Uh, when you think about it, you know, some if you're out there and you're in the dating scene, you may notice you're not attracting the right dating pool. You may go on a lot of dates, but you feel like it's with all the wrong people. How can finding one person... You really click with be so hard. Maybe it's your single awareness has kicked in because you you didn't get that New Year's kiss again. Or maybe you're worried about, you know, Valentine's past and uh, you didn't have somebody that you really cared about to celebrate that holiday with. If you're struggling uh, with dating and you're not quite getting the help you want. Our next guest may be a great resource for you. Uh, she's a dating coach and family and marriage therapist. Elisa Goodwin-Snell uh, joins us, returns to the show. She's been on the show many times, and she's here to teach us today about uh, why uh, we may not be dating the people we want to date. Elisa Goodwin-Snell, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. It's good to be back. Good to have you back. Hey, give us what's your website um, that they can go check out right up front. So the idea is it's not you, it's your technique. There you so go. My website is itsyourtechnique.com. I knew it was just a simple line like that. It's your yeah. technique dot com. Because yep. because we, we have a million, you know, ideas of how we should get a date. People might be throwing all this advice to you, but you know, it's it's not you, it's your technique. People need skills, they need tools to to, to get through this process sometimes. Right. Absolutely. And I find that a lot of people engage in avoidance or anxious behaviors in the dating process. And that's also a big reason why um, they're not progressing. So a lot of times um, if they go through, if you go to my website, it's your com, you will see the 10 reasons why you're amazing and still single. And there's a bunch of links that you can get access to. And, um, but it's, if, if people really hold themselves accountable to those 10 reasons, they might start to understand why they're really not dating the people that they want to date. And, and there's a good possibility that there's some avoidance behaviors that are involved in why they're not doing their part to be dating the people they want to be dating. So. Right. It's like 
I mean, I guess it's subconscious then, really, right? Because you wouldn't keep going on dates, would you, to to be with people you didn't want? Well, and sometimes it's a matter of they're not even going on dates with the people that they want to be dating at all or, or with people in general. Like if you're not typically dating and you're not dating much, but you're an attractive person, you're probably not touching other people. You're probably not sending warm and approachable messages. You're not... Especially if you're a woman, you may not be saying things like, hey, I'd love to get to know you better. I'd love it if you gave me a call sometime. Or as a guy, you may not be saying things like, hey, you know, when, you know, I'd love to, to get to know you better. Can I give you a call? Mm. You know? So there's, there's a variety of different things that you might be doing where you're expecting that the other person is sending more warm or inviting messages. Or you're just not even approaching the people that you really want to date or you're thinking to yourself, that, oh, they wouldn't be interested in me, and you're eliminating the possibility without even giving it a try. Yeah. So there's there's a variety of different ways that people practice avoidance behaviors. And um, so it's great to go to that, that page and just really hold yourself accountable. Are you doing the things that it would take to be able to date the people you really want to date? Because, I mean, that's it. Sometimes we, we almost don't want to say that you're interested and you'd love a call because, oh, you could be rejected and... But if you don't say it, then we leave a lot to be, you know, evaluated and, and have people try to figure out about us. Yeah. Well, and you can do it in a way that makes the other person feel great and makes you look great. And you can do it with a lot of confidence. Sometimes people just don't know what to do, and so they don't do anything. Right. And knowledge is power. And, you know, and then with enough practice, you get to the point where it doesn't feel like a big deal. You know, if you, if you um, do these things, it's not... It, you've, you've practiced it so much, it's like being on the basketball court. You know how to dribble the ball, and you don't take it personal, and you know, and you just start having fun with it. And um, without practice and experience, of course, it's going to feel awkward the first few times you do it. But with practice and experience, it can really start to become fun again. You yeah. know. So, do you feel like um, if somebody asks you out on a date, and you're not necessarily attracted to them, or you're not interested, should you go anyway? Is there anything to gain or benefit by just going? Well, I have a five-stage dating process, and what I focus on is skill development. And so throughout the whole stages of the dating process, all the way to engagement and marriage, there are so many skills you can be learning and practicing. And when we're looking at creating a secure attachment, you need to be available, responsive, and emotionally engaged. And so... If you are currently not dating or not dating the people you want to be dating, what is your guarantee that when you finally get into a relationship, you're going to stay available, responsive, and emotionally engaged versus becoming more avoidant or disconnected? So my primary um, focus with clients is, you know, look at the dating process as something that you can practice and that there's always an opportunity for you to be practicing certain types of skills. And if the goal is to have fun and make them feel great and practice good techniques and, you know, just have fun, make them feel great and practice good techniques, if they don't move to your A-list by six dates, you don't keep going out with them. Hmm. But if you in general feel like I could have fun with this person, I may not be sure how attracted I am to them right now, but like they're a good quality person and I could really have fun with them. Go have fun, make them feel great, practice good skills. And who knows, maybe they'll move to your A-list, you know, by the end of those six dates. But if they don't, men typically feel that they would much rather have three or four dates than just one date or no date. Hmm. Like they would much rather feel like we got a chance to get to know each other 
and you gave me some time and we just had fun and if you make it fun they would rather be rejected after several dates than just one or none. Now, if you're not interested in them, you're not attracted to them, and you really think that you just, like it would be such a labor to go on a date with them, for sure, say no. And if you need to say no, you just simply say, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate the offer. I just don't feel that kind of connection with you, but I think you're a great guy, and, and I'm flattered that you wanted to, you know, to get to know me better. Thank you so much. So I can I can reject them with a lot of warmth and kindness right up front um, if I really don't think that I could enjoy myself. But a lot of times singles overanalyze and they stage jump, um, and that causes them to disconnect. So I talk a lot about avoidance behaviors and and what causes us to feel more of a sense of avoidance and disconnection. And and if I'm thinking beyond the stage I'm in, I'm always going to disconnect. Yeah. And so I love it. It's it's a, a learning model. You need the skills. You need the tools. Um, I mean, it seems like if you're learning skills and you're learning tools, then to some degree, it seems like uh, it's you just need enough people by you to to recognize to to practice the skills with. Right. Well, and it's a win-win for everybody because they need the opportunity to practice and get better at relationship skills. And if, if I'm focusing on making people feel great and I'm enjoying them, at least they had a wonderful experience, you know, yeah. and maybe it isn't a fit. And that, that can be disappointing, but they still have, they still have those, those um, opportunities to draw from. Additionally, people analyze way too much and they think that they're way too important Yeah, <laughs> right. to, to hurt people with this, but... But, you know, oftentimes we think, oh, we'll crush them, we'll devastate them. You're really not that important. Mm, right. <laughs> you're not that. So just go have fun, and you're not going to crush and devastate them. You're just going to give them a good evening. And, you know, that's that's all that they're asking that's for. That's right. Do you, do you think um, – it seems like some people, too, aren't self-aware. Uh, just in the groups that I've worked with, um, th- sometimes everybody will date, I don't know, like the – this idyllic trophy partner, and the minute that person walks in the room, everybody goes for that one. Um, but it's like they're not self-aware enough to know, you know, are they even going to be compatible? Or and talk about that. What what is it about knowing where I fit and and who's a good fit for me versus me always dating the person that seems out of my league? Right. Well, there's a variety of, like you said, self-aware. Um, a lot of times we want to date people who are more attractive, more skilled, more social, more everything than we are. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality is about 80% of men are attracted to the same 15 to 20% of women. And I would say that the reverse could be applied as well. It's just that women women tend to be attracted to a lot of different things that make a guy seem desirable, whereas men are more visual and so, but typically the same group of women are attracted to the same small limited number of men as well. The problem here is that we don't look at ourselves and say, well, why would they, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I'm going for the most attractive group of men and women, I have to be at the top of my game. I have to be at my A game because there's so much competition for that person's um, interest that if I'm not really bringing my best self to the game, why, you know, they're not going to see me as, standing out in the crowd. So why not go on a bunch of dates with people who are actually showing interest in me and practice these good skills so that I can get better, one, at the dating process, better at creating emotional connections, better at 
um, really enjoying the dating process, being more confident, develop all these skills. Maybe I'll develop more of an interest in those people as well. Um, so it, it is interesting to me that, again, going back to that idea of self-awareness, that if we just looked at ourselves, we might say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shooting outside of my league. Um, I have had some clients who I would, I would directly say to them, look, let's, let's put you on a scale of 1 to 10, and let's just kind of rate your attractiveness. And as terrible as that sounds, it, there's a certain reality that we need to kind of do a reality check a little bit of where, where are the skills we need to be working on um, so that we are bringing our A game um, and shooting realistically. And I'll have conversations with my clients where I'm like, you're going for the highest rejection curve. I yeah. mean, the, the people you're going for, that's the highest rejection curve. And, and if you keep going that direction, you're going to get by far more rejection. Let's look at these these other wonderful, amazing options and focus on how you can create a secure attachment because really that's what people want. They want deep and secure attachments. They think that image and attraction, this is a thinking error that my partner is a reflection on me. I want to be with the best person because it looks better on me mm. and it makes me look better. And it's a thinking error. So why don't we focus on the things that will actually help you to feel a deep and secure attachment with someone, and then you might discover that this other stuff doesn't matter. Well, and it doesn't mean you you can't get the person from that, you know, from that category that's kind of seemingly out of your league. It just means your rejection error is going to be really high. So, right, you, you and can. That means your game has got to be. That's you, right. If you're going to keep shooting for that, you've got to be willing to work on your image. You've got to be willing to work on your weight or putting more muscle on. If you're a guy, you've got to be willing to work on your social skills. You've got to. You know, you've got to really put yourself in a position where um, that person would value right. all the things that you're matching them on. Interesting. That, that, yeah. You know, I'm matching them instead of expecting them to just come in and love me the way I am when I'm so different from where they're at. Right. No, it's, I, think it's, I think it's really good psychology. Um, let's take a break. We're speaking with Elisa Goodwin-Snell, and uh, she's talking to us about her website. It's yourtechnique.com. She coaches and works with singles, and uh, as a relationship coach, she also is a marriage and family therapist, many years of experience. She's just walking us through uh, how to make sure you're dating the people you want to date. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you love stronger and uh, get at least get the love launched. It's half the battle. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, Alisa Goodwin-Snell is joining us from the website. It's uh, yourtechnique.com, uh, a great tool for singles to to go learn some skills and, and just gather a, a plan. Sometimes it's just so great to have a plan, a program, something that can kind of walk you through the steps as you're as you're in the dating scene and uh, we're just picking her brain about uh, some things that we need to know make sure we're doing uh elisa welcome back to the show yes what what's one thing that we can be doing immediately to uh to make sure we're dating people that we're actually interested in 
Well, there's a variety of different things. And, and let me speak to that in just a second. I apologize. I need to just clarify. Yeah. Um, you had introduced me as a marriage and family therapist. And um, technically, I'm, I'm, I'm not currently practicing marriage and family right. therapy. I'm just doing dating coaching. And so um, I did do marriage and family therapy for 17 years. Just wanted to kind of clarify that. So what are some things that um, you could actively actively be doing um well there's so many so many elements of dating that are start first in your head and so a lot of times we we interact with others from our fears we we use a lot of thinking errors and a lot of fear that holds us back we tell ourselves oh why would they be interested in me or um we you know it's just our belief systems and they drive us to either be more anxious and to act more insecure or inadequate or needy or they drive us to just disengage disconnect and withdraw from people and so the first thing i would say is change your thinking i remember being on a date with a guy who um, is a blind date and we had this amazing phone conversation we talked for hours and at the end of the phone conversation, he was like, I have got to see you. You know, can I come get you for breakfast tomorrow? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so he comes and he picks me up for breakfast, and he doesn't maintain eye contact with me. And I thought, dang it, he's not attracted to me, which, you know, I mean, that happens yeah. in the dating scene. But if you're not maintaining eye contact, that's kind of one of the messages that people might be taking from that. So we were um, at breakfast, and I remember slouching in my seat and just thinking, dang it, you know, I was kind of bummed because I felt such a good connection with him the night before. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to see this guy again. And all of a sudden it changed in my head. And I'm like, I'm never going to see this guy again. It doesn't matter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like all of a sudden I was like, hey, you know, I have nothing to lose. I straightened my back. I acted, began acting more feminine. And I started acting more fearless. And I started just thinking, you know, I'm just going to focus on x y and z and doing you know just being more feminine it it i just it just didn't matter anymore and so instead of going from this fearful place of you know whether or not i could get him so when we're looking at someone who has an anxious attachment they're primarily concerned about whether or not i can get him yeah when i'm moving into an avoidant attachment i'm more concerned about whether or not i want him secure attachment i'm focused in on my faith in myself my future the opposite sex and, and god and I'm focused in on the idea that, you know, the kind of person I'm looking for will value and appreciate me. And I have faith in me and I have a lot to offer and, and I'm interesting and I'm this and I'm that. So anyway, so I just, I just straightened up my back and I started just taking things more casually and I started having fun. We started laughing. He started maintaining eye contact. I don't know what was going on in his head. Yeah. I don't know if he was feeling insecurity, but it's interesting that when we act secure, we draw that out in other people. And I totally went on more dates with him. Interesting. So I mean, that's powerful. the way you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 um, and having the ability to attach gives you a sense of confidence, too. Like, right. I'm the bomb. I can do this. Yeah. And so taking a personal assessment of what do I have to offer when we're anxious to be able to go back to her and say, well, what do I have to offer? I'm hardworking. I'm smart. I'm capable. You know, I, I'm attractive. Um, people like me. You know, the kind of person I'm looking for would totally value and appreciate the things I have to offer. And if this person doesn't feel that way, hey, no worries. They're not my only chance for happiness, but right. I can at least practice certain behaviors while I'm with them. And because if I don't practice good behaviors, I'm not going to get a, res- a good result right. anyway. So I'm never going to see them again. What do I have yeah. to lose? Throw I'll it out there. A couple things. Well, and one of the things that seems like that's key to your, your whole approach is this is learnable. You can, you can improve your odds 
and your game um, by just by, by some basic learning and some tools. So if they go to your website, it's yourtechnique.com, they can just they can find this information, but but get oh, yeah. serious. Like get they should get serious about it, right? Right. Well, there's a variety of things they can do. They can schedule a free 30-minute consultation, and there's a tab right there at my website where they can click on that and, and make an appointment. They can also get access into my Lasting Love Academy. So I have a membership site that has hundreds of articles, audios, videos, um, tons and tons of information that they can get a seven-day free um, trial membership in. I have books, audio, DVDs, but you know, a lot of times just having that um, a, a consultation with me can be one of the most yeah. effective ways for them to learn more. Well, that's it. Itchyourtechnique.com is a great place to start. Alisa, thank you so much, and keep up the great work. Yes, thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, good stuff, folks. It's it's your life, right? And sometimes it's it's not you that they're rejecting. It's just your approach. It's your technique. It's your lack of skills, your lack of confidence, your lack of insight. Uh, all things we can work on. Not uh, You're not doomed or destined to be a certain way. We can uh, learn. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, the perfect song to uh, to shoot it down to our good friends at BYU Sports Nation, Spenny and the Jets, or Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Right now, it's just Jerem and the nobodies. Where's Where's Spenny? And what's a Jet? Yeah. How are you, Jerem? I'm good. How are or you? is it Jerome? Whatever you want, man. Dude. Talk to me, man. I haven't seen you all weekend, and I know you were watching the Oscars. I actually wasn't, but oh. social media kept up. Did uh, wh- why weren't you? I was what? watching Parks and Rec season seven. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not done with that. Really, you do you not love Ron Swanson? Oh, greatest character in TV history. <laughs> I love that man. I'm Ron Swanson. Um, he's a yeah. I want to be Ron when I grow up. If that's doesn't every man yeah. want to be like Ron Swanson? I mean, he eats way? meat. No. He's, he gets the meat sweats. He gets the meat sweats? Yeah. Have you ever had the meat sweats? Uh, yeah. I went to one of these Brazilian barbecue places where they yeah. bring food around and keep cutting oh, meat off the— I went the... to Brazil on my two-year LDS oh. trip, so I love— I got the meat sweats. It's the first time I've ever experienced oh, yeah. it. I feel like I overdosed on Shuhasco. protein. What was that? Shuhasco. You, you're Bless you. Yeah, that's what's called. That's that, that's, that's the bar- meat Brazilian sweats are called Brazilian barbecue. Oh, chuhasco, not, not meat sweats. Oh, I'm like you know the word for meat sweats in in oh, Portuguese. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's huge. Oh man, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it's a good barbecue. Uh, I tried everything with bacon. Oh yeah, baby. The 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 part of Brazil that I went to is the home of Brazilian barbecue. That specific style. Ooh, yeah, really. Because it's a certain style, right? So every weekend, man, just way too much meat. Yeah. It was great. And it was kind of weird because guys would come around just right over your shoulder. They'd put this piping hot slab of meat with a really sharp knife. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was dangerous. And then the meat That's sweats the risk, come on. to have great meat. Oh, yeah. There needs to be a level of danger. <laughs> I just oh, grabbed. You can't, like I, it's boring if you go, just go get pizza. There's no like d- potential death involved. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, in fact, on the show today, we were talking about Brazil. 
uh, it came up today, and I didn't think of the barbecue because we were talking about the Zika virus. What's going on with the Zika virus? It's just taking over Brazil. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of problems down there. But not to digress, uh, I I actually asked the guy that was uh, cutting the meat off of his spear. I don't know what you call it. And I just asked if I could just just nibble off the spear. Mm-hmm. Just straight off it? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a corn on the cob just started spinning yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. He, I took it. He got Less really mad. Less flossing required later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it, I, I love it. At my birthday, I always go to a Brazilian barbecue place. Um, you do? Oh, yeah. Well, when's Chicanos. your birthday? I mean, I, I'm free. I'm free. In October. Okay. Let me write yeah. that down. Yeah, it's BYU's bye week in football. Well, so perfect. So then just, 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 you want my wife to come or just me? Um, uh, just, uh, just your wife. Just, oh, just, okay. <laughs> thank you, Spence. <laughs> Okay. Hey, listen, Matt. Jeremy already you, owes you already owes one of our student production assistants. Uh, okay. Spence can come. What's oh, that? I can come too. I can come with my wife. Okay, I got it. Seems rude. What does he owe one of your staffers? He owes me something. Is what he owes. We we bet lunch all the time over random stuff. Do you really? You guys wager? Well, here's the thing. Uh, we'd like to avoid the money part of betting. Yeah, so you go food. right to food. But but in uh, like Mormon culture, yeah, it's acceptable to do anything but money. Right. Food. Food. Yeah, food. Food is totally cool. It's totally cool. Like I, I said over the weekend with men's volleyball to our producer and the analyst and the silent reporter myself, I said if BYU loses a set this weekend, I'll take you all out to lunch next week. Oh wow! BYU, and then I said if they if they don't. Uh, if they don't lose the set, then Steve, the analyst, he yeah. has to take everyone out to lunch. He did not agree to this, so BYU didn't lose any sets, so unfortunately we're not getting lunch this, oh. this week. Yeah, you always got to tie down the deal. Yeah. And then I always have At it, my end of it. Yeah, I have it notarized and signed, so I've contractually <laughs> obligated them. There was a part on Parks and Rec Season 7 that I was just watching about uh, notarization that was really funny. So it's funny <laughs> that you say that. I know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a big notary, I'm a big notary fan. Yeah. Hey, um, we've, we just had on a dating expert uh, mm-hmm. on our show. Spencer was on your show? No, no, no. An expert. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> and so I want to know your best dating advice. My best dating advice? Yeah, either That's of you. such a general I mean, you're both question. married. But oh, like, have fun. Goodness. That's the bottom line. Have fun. Yeah. And, well, have fun. And fun for you equals... The meat sweats. That's whatever. Yeah, that's whatever you. you Honestly, you want to know what my advice is? Yes. What? Don't just hang out to date. Go and do something. Oh my heavens! Thanks, Dad. Go and do something. <laughs> that's so true. It's, that you, you can't like it. Just the, it's become so lazy now. It's the like, irony yeah. there is most of marriage is hanging out. I know you've got the rest <laughs> of your life to hang right? out. No, I, I know, I know. But Go do something fun. You need to get to know each other by doing actual activities. Go That's how you do get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to know each other, then you just hang out. Yes, after you then get you can be comfortable and then have silence at dinner and it's not weird because you've experienced all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay? I hate silence at dinner. That's great. No, the people love that. That's great advice. That's just great do, advice. Just go do something. There's, I could have silence at dinner with a rock. There is something about <laughs> like that that nervous feeling when you're in high school as a kid. You want to look good. The girl's yeah. getting dressed up. You go and pick her up. Like that's fun. Yeah, that's exciting. You get Bowling. your axe. You got your axe spray on. Jerem does every day. Yeah, it's actually Old Spice, but yes, <laughs> I'm a high roller. Old Spice. Jerem, what was your advice? My advice was have fun. That's the point. Well, fun. I mean, that just seems easy. I mean, 
Seems like you could Is dig. It easy? Seems like yeah. you could dig deeper than that. Nah. Do you, do you kiss on the first date, guys? Okay. Uh, no. Depend on the girl. Depends <laughs> how hot the girl is. <laughs> I mean, she's hot for sure. <laughs> oh, that is just bad advice. Okay. Yeah, um, don't, don't I kissed my wife on the third date. Did you? Yeah. How about you, Jerome? Fifth or sixth. Wow. Yeah. Slow. That's it great. Was Super Bowl. Slow? It, was on, it was on Super Bowl Sunday. It was super romantic. Yeah. That sounds super <laughs> I romantic. I wanted to kiss my wife the first time I hung out with her, but I didn't. Yeah. Did is, is it because she said no? No, it's just because I was like, man, I don't want to screw it up, and I, I just don't want her to get the wrong idea, and I really like her, and I don't want to scare her away. Did you ever go in for a move and it was thwarted? No, I, that well, was my worst nightmare. Oh, that's a horrible thing. Yes. I yeah. told my wife when we were dating I loved her, and it was silent on the other end. Oh, thought, mine too. That yeah. was weird. And then we actually broke up for a month, and then we got back together <laughs> later. Yeah. And then we got married. My, my wife, I said, we're I love so you. Happy. I said, I love you, and she said, oh... And? Cute. <laughs> See, at least yours was awkward silence. Mine was yeah. just, she said, oh. I can't wait to hear more about it at uh, Tucano's. Yeah, at the, at the Meat Sweat <laughs> Festival. Hey, uh, what's on your show today? You guys still going to do your show today? Yes. How do you say meat sweat in Portuguese again? <laughs> I don't know. I got to look up. <laughs> yes, we are doing the show. It's all about BYU finding victory in Vegas. Vegas victory. Assuming they, they accept they that didn't mission fly it on Saturday in Provo. Yes, yeah, they did not. They were zagged. Got zagged. <sighs> Got zagged. But uh, that's all right. Opens up the tournament against a team that a lot of people are blatantly just overlooking. Who? Santa Clara. Oh boy. There Absol- are there are there are reasons to that as well. We'll get into that. Yeah. Just blatant disrespect to Santa Clara. Don't. I got meat sweats in Portuguese. Suarez de carne. Exactly. <laughs> Man, I've literally, got the Suarez. Literally translated. Suarez de carne. <laughs> yes, the sweats of the meat. Of the meat. I love Do Suarez carne. de carne. Oh, my goodness. So don't overlook Santa Clara. Chili con carne. Well, a lot of people think that maybe you should, too. Like, it's kind of a polarizing topic there. Oh, man. BYU just needs to win three in Vegas if they want to get into the NCAA tournament. That's yeah, their no only shot, huh? Yeah. Zero. Gone. See ya. So BYU has Santa Clara Saturday okay. uh, on BYU TV, actually, 4 Eastern time from Vegas. We'll be down there. Uh, the show will be down there, by the way, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds great for you guys. Yeah, that's so cool, man. That's really neat. So BYU, play Santa, BYU will win uh, Saturday against <laughs> Santa Clara. Then one week from today, they play Gonzaga again if Gonzaga oh. wins and BYU wins. Right? Oh. We expect that to happen. It'll happen. But what if Portland upsets Gonzaga, Jerem? But what if a volcano <laughs> erupts where the arena is? And then what? <laughs> what if you eat a lot of meat and you can't sweat? You're going to explode! Better chance. Gonzaga gets the meat sweats and uh, lays an egg against Portland. <laughs> or a volcano That's it. Send him one of those guys. That's good. Well, guys, that's a great show. What if I hear, I just hear the phrase, what if volcano erupts? What if? Is that what you do? That's that's great. That's great psychology. I'm telling you. As an expert, that's great psychology. Well, guys, it's a great show. It sounds like uh, I, I bless you with all of the sweats you can uh, you can have. Thank you. Sweat is de carne. <laughs> good luck, guys. Bye. Knock them dead. Ciao. That's really good. Uh, see, one of the things we try to do on the show is we want to make you an international uh, kind of connoisseur of good language and good food. And so now when you go to Brazil or I guess Portugal, you can say Suarez de carne, which is meat sweats. Speaking of that, I think we know how to cure the meat sweats. Yeah, we do. In fact, uh, there is a very fast, efficient way to cure the meat sweat. 
Taze it. <laughs> Nothing will dehydrate the meat sweats faster than a good tasing. Brought to you by Tasers RS. We're still working on it, folks. We're going to make this company fly one way or another. Hey, uh, speaking of um, a little use of the taser, maybe this would be a better use of the taser. Listen to this. A man was arrested. It's, we're going to call this part of the Bad Boys segment. A man was arrested last week for allegedly impersonating a police officer at the Clarksville, Tennessee restaurant, at a Clarksville, Tennessee restaurant. Ronald Taylor reportedly entered the Golden Corral around 5 p.m. while ordering. Taylor allegedly produced a concealed handgun and a badge before stating the drink is usually free for a member of the police department. A police department detective happened to see it in front uh, to uh, – happened to be seated, I guess, in front of Taylor in line or standing in front of him in line and inquired if he was a police officer, according to a release. Taylor reportedly confirmed he was a police officer and said he was with the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and was in town on some business. Police determined Taylor is actually an insurance agent in Kentucky. The concealed permit and badge were from the state of Kentucky. Clarksville police reported Taylor was in possession of a loaded Springfield 45 and a loaded Ruger 380 handgun. He was booked into Montgomery County Jail and charged with impersonating a police officer. His bond was set at $500. He was also charged with ruining a buffet. Number one uh, way to get away from the meat sweats, folks. Um, we also, as you know, like to end the show on a hero story of the day. Happens to be a New York police uh, department. The cops from the 33rd Precinct, they are the hero of the day. Listen to this story. Detective Anthony Spanikia was one of uh, those who investigated the December 26th robbery of Yasmeli Gomez by two girls. The girls followed her from a Starbucks uh, taunted her and took over her took her hoverboard from her. Spanichia uh, said that he initially wanted to replace the hoverboard, but since they are illegal in the city, he settled on the iPad. He passed the hat in the precinct to raise money uh, for the gift. He was also able to use a security photo to track down the robbers and arrest them. Yasmeli is a seventh grader and uh, plays both forward and center for her middle school basketball team. She has 18 siblings, counting both her, both of her parents' kids. Uh, after the station pooled their money, they invited Yasmeli to the station where she was presented with an iPad and a round of applause for anyone police officers present. She then burst into tears of joy. Uh, the officer said, she's nice, sweet girl, and I have a 15-year-old daughter, so she struck a chord with me. It was that day after Christmas, and she stood on the street crying. No child should be the victim of a crime. Not long after getting the gift, a smiling Yasmeli left at, for a 5 p.m. game at her school. She was already wearing her team jersey. How cool is that? NYPD uh, police officers from the 33rd Precinct took care of a robbery, uh, just a victim who had lost an iPad and uh, or had lost a hoverboard and they gave her an iPad instead. That's pretty cool. Nobody really should uh, have to suffer crimes. And uh, to be a hero, you don't always have to, you know, be a cop or raise money to do it. Sometimes you just need to be willing to see the need in another person's heart and be willing to do what you can do about it. Every one of us have different gifts and abilities. That's why we do this show. The world is a better place because you are here. You've got to know that. And uh, I challenge all of us just to pick up our games. Look out for those that are in need and uh, become the best we can be. Until tomorrow, folks, uh, we'll be back. Just stick with us. BYU Sports Nation is up. 
And tomorrow we'll be back. You can also find us on iPad, I mean on iTunes and on TuneIn or go to BYURadio.com um, and find our website. Thanks, folks. Until tomorrow, take care. We'll be back again tomorrow.